Hello, sports fans. This is Sellout Sports. I'm Tori Rich, joined by Mike Mawson, and our friend Parker Rush is back. And we are going to make him sit and stew and think about what he has to say about Michigan because we have bigger news. Um, huge week. Just like, I mean, when you think about it, this is like a... This is like a Kennedy assassination, you know, in the NFL, like or a 9/11 in the NFL. Like everybody knows where they were when they heard Belichick wasn't coming back. And then it was a very anticlimactic press conference, but I guess in classic Belichick fashion, right? Um, but anyway, uh, so a lot to get to. Not a ton of topics, but very uh, content-rich topics to get to. So hit that music. Now that I scared everyone away with JFK and 9-11 references <laughs> comparisons. That was a quick start, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like just getting, like, you know, get all the people, get all the easily offended people out of here, and then, you know, and we'll pull everybody back in. That's it. Um, that's my style. Um, so how many times have I said it, you know? Um, the, the, the time, you know, the, oh, yeah, the time to talk Belichick's legacy. Like, we'll do it another time. We'll do it another time, right? Well, I think the time is is here now. But first of all, Parker, how you been, man? How uh, you know? How are the holidays? How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, the holidays were great until January first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. It's okay. It's. It, I mean, I mean, we we had to have you on the show. Honestly, we wanted to do it sooner, but uh, you know, Mossum Mossum almost died. He had to recover from COVID, so <laughs> didn't almost uh, die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rumors of his demise. Were, I do have were, loved ones that listen to this, so just wanted to say I didn't. Sorry, almost sorry, die. he didn't almost die. I brought him a care package. He was fine. He did. Yeah, thank you. Thank care, you. A care package that didn't include the mucinex he asked for. So I'm a shitty. It's okay. I got I'm a the, shitty shopper. Got the OJ. Got the yogurt. You know, <laughs> I, I You got the on, Walmart yogurt because I don't love you that much. It was right? good. Like, it was like, good. Oh, okay. Vanilla right. Walmart yogurt, pretty good. I sat there debating. I was like, uh, do I get him the Chobani stuff? I got you the good stuff for the OJ though, so like, I can't I can't afford the Chobani stuff. Who do you think I am? <laughs> I know, so that's what I'm saying. I could have gotten you the Chobani stuff. I was like, well, he's not even used to that. It might, it, it might be like his palate his might not even like get it. All fucked up. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil you, you know. But uh, all right, so we got Parker back though, and we finally got him on to uh, get his reaction to the team up north winning the national championship. Um. But really, I mean, I think we got bigger news to get to. We got bigger fish to fry first. I mean, this is huge. And like I said, I kept putting it off. I was like, nah, we won't talk Belichick's legacy yet, you know. It's time, you know. We got we got to talk about what Belichick really meant because especially of late, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate out there for Belichick because when you're losing, that's just how it goes, right? Um whether they finish 3 and 14 or 4 and 13. 4 and 13. Yeah, four a lot of 13. recency bias. A lot of recency bias. A lot of recency bias. bias. And I don't know, I guess especially as, you know, I have two Pats fans and then I have me as a guy that like just hated the Patriots for like, I, didn't, I wasn't a Patriots hater because I grew up in New England. And I, I respected them, but it sucked to be an Eagles fan living in Patriots world for a good chunk of it. 
And I saw the entire rise and fall of, of the Belichick dynasty. Like, you guys were kind of too young to remember the rise, you know, like the, the first three Super Bowls and really. Yeah, he had risen by the time yeah, that I, you know, I became a football fan. Um, but I, you know, I, I was a football fan through all of it. I watched, you know, their third Super Bowl was, yeah, the third one was against the Eagles, right? Yeah, the third one was against the Eagles. And so to be a yeah, high Rams, school. Panthers. Yeah, Rams, yeah. Panthers, Eagles, yeah. And watching watching as a high school senior, watching the Eagles lose that one and, you know, never forgiving Donovan McNabb for it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a complicated time in my life because it was like, it's like, God damn it, I hate Terrell Owens, but God damn it, he's right about McNabb. <laughs> so you were a senior in high school on yep. the third one. I was um, I was attending a parade. We were as, seniors. As, no, for the first one, I was attending a parade as a five-year-old. Damn. Yep, I'm old. I get it, but that's why we're. That's why I'm here to a certain degree because because I, I like I, I I feel like on the first three Super Bowls especially I have to give you guys some context. You know, not that not that you guys don't aren't uh, not that you guys are Belichick haters, but let's just let's just start with record, right? Because this is because again, inextricable from each other are Brady and Belichick, right? So pre Brady, right? His first year with the Pats, they're five and eleven. Before that, with Cleveland, he's 36 and 44. These are arguments against Belichick, right? Now, I, I have to remind people that there's there's a long there's a lot of coaches that didn't have success their first time, um, including you know who people might argue is the best head coach in the NFL right now, Andy Reid, right? And he, you know, this year he might have kind of fallen from that perch a little bit, but for a long time he had best coach in the league status, and he was successful with Philadelphia, but he never got the title. Um, he's certainly not the only one, you know, like, it, like a lot of guys, a lot of guys find success the second time around Tom Coughlin, like he didn't win a Super Bowl with Jacksonville. Right. Um, so anyway, the record with the Patriots is unbelievable. 266 and 121 with the Patriots. So his career record 302 and 165, almost two to one, um, you know, wins to losses total. And obviously more than two to one wins to losses with the Patriots. It's an unprecedented run, you know, unprecedented in longevity, success, and I was, and I don't think it's going to be matched ever. Um, and for me, so I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys go in a second here, but like 2008, which is which is a time that you guys would have some remembrance of. It's right after 2007, the you know, Brady's record-setting year, and. Bernard Pollard probably elongates Brady's career by 10 years by blowing out his knee because yeah, seriously um because it led to I mean it's just one of the there's a lot of uh chain reaction that's to this the day that TB12 method was born because yeah. yeah um it's what it's what prompted what I say is the best pick Belichick ever made in Jimmy Garoppolo which um even though you know not in terms not conventionally right but man it sure worked didn't it um but we'll get to that, you know, like was, was Belichick a, uh, a master manipulator, you know, a master psychologist and, uh, you know, smarter than we even give him credit for. Um, I say yes. So we'll get to that. But, um, 2008, I think this is the feather in his cap because it's, it can be true that Belichick sucked in the beginning. He wasn't a good head coach in the beginning and it can be true. And we know, I think we know it's true that Belichick wasn't a good head coach in the end. So maybe still a good defensive coach. Not a good head coach in the end. Good head coaches don't go four and thirteen. It just doesn't happen. Not, I. I mean, I don't know. I guess. We, uh, I, 
I guess if you lose your starting quarterback, but if you didn't have a starting quarterback in the first place, mm, I don't know. So, like, so that's my piece. I'll let you guys, you guys can do your opening statements after, because I think everybody deserves an opening statement on this one. So that's mine. 2008 is peak Belichick who had just lost peak Brady and he takes Matt fucking castle who had absolutely no success anywhere else in his career. Um, other than high school football. Cause he didn't, did he even take a fucking snap at USC? I think, I mean, I'm not sure he played behind Matt liner who was, who was a washout in the NFL. He played behind Matt Leinert the entire time. I'm sure Castle took snaps, but I don't think he ever got a start. And and Matt Castle took the Patriots to an 11 and 5 record, which any other fucking year is good enough for the playoffs, but that year was insane and the Patriots did not qualify for the playoffs and I remember because um yeah, I had just met my wife. Yeah, we weren't even married yet and I was giving her shit because the Eagles at 9-6 and 1 were in the playoffs. Um so, uh, but yeah, on the other side, the AFC was crazy that year and the Patriots at 11 and five didn't make it, but obviously 11 and five made it. I mean, I can't think almost of another year. year 11. Yeah. I, no, I can't think of another year. 11 and five wouldn't make it. So yeah. 10 and six was almost nine and seven was good. Most years. So, um, yeah. So, you know, what? I'll, uh, I'll shut up for a minute and I'll let you say your, your opening piece. Like what does Belichick mean to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to go i mean uh just another one of those so like brady i guess uh, i'll take it this route um just he's been the the head coach of my favorite team for the entirety of my life and i'm t- just about 27 now and like i said like literally uh starting you know you start forming memories at what like five so that's right when he started to win so my cognitive memory when it comes to watching Patriots football is he literally is, he is the Patriots for you the entire Patriots no like I do not remember Parcells at all um I wish I was old enough to um be cognizant like remember I resign as HC of the NYJ because that is just objectively hilarious just writing on a napkin that he's resigning <laughs> from the Jets and, and going to the Patriots um and you know, held that. It may it hurts that he goes out on a loss to the Jets after winning 15 straight against them, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I didn't really think about that. I'm I'm sure it hurt him too. Um, but I mean, just every week, and it's just I mean, the Boston sports dynasty as a whole. Uh, we've talked about it at you know at points on this podcast, but it's just crazy the the amount of championships that have been won and the parades that I've been able to attend because and it all started with Belichick it all started in that 2001 season and I mean I just no it's, it's been a hell of a run this, I've, I've they, had a lot a lot of fun I've been I've I've been blessed I am I'm a spoiled sports sports fan and it's because of Belichick all right. Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll chime in on that in a second. But Parker, I want to give you your I want to give you your your uh, minute to take the floor. Uh, your what Belichick means to you? In a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, uh, right right along with what Mike said, like Belichick is the Patriots to me. Um, I don't remember any coach before him, and the run that him and Brady and Robert Kraft have had in the past 20 
four years is just absurd. Um, it will never be matched again. At least I don't see it. And, uh, and it's just been a wonderful ride. It, it was full of great memories and uh, sad to see it end. And, uh, you know, to, to the point of what, you know, what you were just saying, Mike, is if like Belichick kind of got it started and that, and that's something that you guys don't even totally understand is like Boston was kind of a laughing stock before that. Like, as right, a whole. like, like I heard like, a lot about it growing up. Right. And that's when the winning is just starting and that's when the energy is coming. It's just like, you don't understand. And then it just keeps happening. And, um, yeah, the, the Red Sox were missing. I mean, you know, this is four, te- four playoff team format, but the Red Sox were missing the playoffs regularly. And even if they were making it, not having really a lot of success, throughout the 90s um you know just getting just getting you know the Yankees were wiping the floor with us all through the 90s right um especially the late 90s um Celtics were in their I worst mean, you stretch know, as a franchise yeah in the post bird years the, no, the like Celtics were atrocious like the, the, the franchise started they won for 20 for two straight decades then they continued to win into the 70s and 80s didn't they had success in the 90s didn't win and then the early 2000s were terrible for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, trying to remember, I mean, like we had Ray Bork with the Bruins, but again, no no sustained success for the Bruins during that that period. And yeah, the Patriots, I mean, Pete Carroll years, um, being bad enough yeah, to take Drew Bledsoe. You know, like, uh, I still remember, like I said, first football game that I remember watching as a kid was Bengals and Patriots and they were and they were both the laughing stock of the league like probably the two worst teams in the league right and I think it was Drew Bledsoe's first game Bill Parcells I think it was Drew Bledsoe's first game and the Patriots won seven to two against the, <laughs> but like it's one of the first football games I ever remember watching in my entire life and um so yeah to, so the whole point be, there being the Boston as a whole was a laughing stock and the Patriots the the Patriots are what reversed that and then just sent sent your generation on this 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 run of being spoiled and you know it's still going i mean like i mean the red Sox suck again and um doesn't look like that's ending t- anytime soon but bruins are solid patriots uh yeah i don't know we, we, we'll, we'll get to that you know we'll, we'll get to what's what's next for the patriots but uh you know celtics you know you you're still in a golden age for them, hopefully. I mean, you need to win a title, but... And the way we're talking is like, oh, like, you know, haven't it's been five years since, you know, and that's that's the longest stretch it's been in my life, but, like, it's still only been five years since the Patriots last won their Super Bowl. Yeah, right? and I mean, and everybody became pseudo-Bucks fans anyway, right? Like, Yeah, know. exactly, and it, it feels so much longer. Like, um, Parker, I don't want to speak for you. I know, I know you're a Bears fan now, but that Super Bowl seems like at least a decade old. It does not feel like it was five years ago. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It, it feels like so long ago. When you remove, obviously, Brady and his two retirements, and then before that, obviously, like you mentioned, going to Tampa and, and winning a ring there, um, it, yeah, it, it, it does not feel like it's five years ago. So that's crazy to, to think it was, it was only that long ago. So... Um... You guys keep talking for one second because there's something I just thought of. I wanted to pull up real quick. Um, so uh, run, run with the run with the Belichick stuff. And, and I'm I'm going into Brady. So if you want to lead into that a little bit, yeah. I'm, I mean, I would say there's no Brady without Belichick, and there's no 
Belichick without Brady. I mean, Belichick did have a track record as a great DC before Brady, but I mean, the, the two of them together was just the greatest football you'll ever see. So um, I was just I was trying to pull it up the uh, the passing leaders, and yeah, it's kind. Of, I mean, it's another it's another crazy stat actually. Tom Brady only led the NFL in passing. And again, yards yards are an overrated stat, and we know that, right? But just one thing to look at is Brady only led the NFL in passing three times with the Patriots, and then yeah, then once with the Bucks. And they probably didn't win a Super Bowl during uh, those three years. I know, obviously, oh seven they didn't. Um, it's just oh five was one of them, which they didn't. You're right. And <laughs> guess how? Guess the yardage total in 2005 that he led the NFL in, in passing with. 32.86. Okay, that's like ridiculously low. But now, now you took the thunder out of it. 41.10 is pretty low for what, you Is know. it? Is it? I, like, I, I guess I don't really. Well, even this year, this year actually trended down a little bit. Tua led the league with 46.24. Yeah, no, that's really um, low for, for modern day. But four of the five years before that were uh, well over 5,000. And then Deshaun, really? Deshaun Watson for Houston was 48, 23 in 2020. But uh, yeah, it, like the passing leaders were usually over 5,000 for a good stretch. When was Brady, When was the other one that Brady led? Uh, so Brady was 05 with 4110. Yep, 07. 07 was 4806. Yeah. And then Brady was 2017 with 4577. 2017. But okay. then, and then 5316 in 2021 with the Bucks. So 2017 would have been the, um, that would have been the Eagles year. Yeah. No. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, again, like I said, you can't, you can't separate Brady and Belichick. And as of late, again, it, like I'm kind of glad it happened. It, it, it opens things up to debate and I'll even give the edge to Brady because it takes a special kind of guy to put up with Belichick. Right. Especially as a quarterback, he has, he has contempt yeah. for quarterbacks on a level that even I can't fathom and I can't stand them. Right. <laughs> like, but like, he doesn't like quarterbacks. He doesn't like, he, he wants to win without the quarterback being a, and I, you know, I relate to that. I would love to win with a game manager quarterback, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I feel like kinship with, with Belichick over that, but you know, you guys, you guys like, let me, um, the reason I was looking up the passing yards leaders and everything like that is, like, let me throw this at you. I say the first, because the first three Super Bowls and the second three Super Bowls, they won all six together, yes. But I actually, I kind of want to say Bill gets credit, more of the credit for the first three Super Bowls, and Brady gets more of the credit for the second three. And, and I don't know, that's that's just a take that I'm kind of com- coming up with right now. Um and Parker said it, and this is this has always been. I think this is all of us. We all agree that's our take. There is no Brady without Belichick. Oh no, absolutely um, not. You know, but I don't. But I don't necessarily know for sure that there's no Belichick without Brady. Now again, and that and again, Brady still gets the edge because he won. He won more Super Bowls than Belichick did, and that, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. Brady went and did it on his own. But what I'm saying is. I think Belichick knew that he had the right kind of psycho in Brady. And it took two sick motherfuckers getting together for this to work. You know what I mean? Like it took 
like you think about like the greats in other sports. I mean, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's a sick motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like he just yeah. Like, there's something wrong with him. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like you know what I mean? Like like yeah. We we should all be so lucky to be so you know uh, poorly adjusted. But you know what I mean? Like that's the same. That's the same kind of work ethic that we're talking about. Like like psychologists would would diagnose them with something. Yeah, you go through you know it, like I mean? Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, yeah, like all of them. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we, we we should all be so lucky to to, to have to that, have the uh, inferiority sort of, complex that drives us to greatness. That's right? sort of imbalance, yeah. Yeah, um, and just never give up when thing you know when, when it gets hard when you suck, I guess. But so anyway, my point being is yes, Brady gets the edge. He went and did it on his own, but Brady like again, and and Michigan comes into this. We know Brady wasn't that guy at Michigan, right? So. Belichick doesn't get credit for drafting Brady. He took him in the sixth round. He was almost the 200th player off the board. A bunch of other quarterbacks had already come off the board when the so you don't get credit for like seeing a diamond in the rough in the sixth round. It's it's a it's a fucking flyer. You do get credit as Belichick for developing him. You know, um, some people there's debate out there that like Belichick doesn't even get credit for that for that pick. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Does he get credit for any quarterback picks? Because again, he didn't. He didn't like quarterbacks, right? Um. So, but he he gets credit for developing him, and Brady gets credit for surviving it. Because by all accounts, Belichick is is just horrible to work for, right? But he had a high standard. He set the standard. He didn't lower the bar, and Brady met it because you know, as he said, you know. I can't remember what year it was that the first one came up about him being a sixth round pick, making it to the top. But he's like, you know, he's watching the draft and he's afraid he's going to have to sell insurance. And you know what I mean? And, right. and Brady, but Brady, he just, he found a way and he developed his body and he did whatever it took. And then, and then, yeah, the, and again, I give Belichick credit for the Garoppolo pick to take somebody, you know, you have a quarterback that's won three rings but he hasn't won one recently because Garoppolo was, I'm sorry, 2014. 2014 pick. So it's so it's been a while, right? It's been 10 years. Yeah. And lit the fire under Tom Brady's ass. That's so, when people were, that's when the cliff started coming around. Cliff talk was, you know, is Tom Brady falling off the cliff right around there? Hilarious in retrospect, right? Yeah. But yeah, there was no, and, to, and then because of that, you basically got to the point where you're like, after that, you're like, I'm literally not going to bet against Brady ever again. It, like, and, th- and that was my philosophy. Like, after, after the Garoppolo pick, I was like, I'm never betting against Brady again. I'm never going to say that the wheels are going to fall off. I'm just, I'm just going to say he's going to be good. Until, and really, he was good until he hung him up, right? So, um, I mean, what was the stat with Brady? He never, he never played a snap with his team being out of playoff contention. Because, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs that last year, but – but yeah, basically, I mean, think about that. He was always every every snap he played truly meant something. There yeah. was ne- there was never there a, was playoff implications on the line every time. Every time ball, he was on the field. Every time he had the ball in his hands. That's crazy. Uh, so this is not like you don't have to take away from Brady to give Belichick credit because again, to survive Belichick, I mean, that's I don't think there's a lot of quarter. Is he the only guy that could have done it? I don't know, but. A guy with greater talent probably isn't going to have the mental capacity to survive him. You know what I mean? You had to take a guy like Brady, who was a nobody, 
I think, to get molded by a Belichick. Yeah, like a number one pick probably wasn't going to work. Yeah, the- no, Bill Belichick could not have drafted Cam Newton and turned him into that because Cam Newton wouldn't have, wouldn't have put up with it. You know what I mean? I mean, there are number one picks, don't get me wrong, at other positions that worked out under in the Patriots era. I mean, you know, uh, Dante Hightower, right? He was one team for the entirety of his career, one Super Bowl's first round pick at Alabama, like high expectations. Oh, yeah. As- but not quarterback. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, again, we're not talking about quarterbacks here. That was actually another interesting thing that you and I found. I didn't know he drafted Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I, I, did, I yeah, knew yeah. he drafted Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. So he drafted two two quarterbacks that became head coaches, and he just and he drafted Gerard Mayo, of course. So he dra- yeah, he the, drafted the, three head coaches. Yeah, Gerard Mayo and um, O'Connell were in the O'Connell. same hey, class. Um, no, no, he didn't draft Rabel. Um, I, I don't know if he traded for him or oh, signed. Really? He started with the Raiders, yeah. Um, oh. Which we didn't even look at that. We 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 looked at his drafts to prep for this show, but there's a lot of trades that he made that he de- you know he deserves credit for too. Randy Moss, obviously. Uh, well, Randy Moss, not to mention uh, Wes Welker. Yeah. Um, you know, we we looked at his drafts and some of the steals that he had. Um, again, I'll I'll open this up right now and we can kind of go through it. And that's uh, a different, you know, that's him in a different light. That's. That's Belichick, the GM, you know, that's right. Um, because you and I have talked about, it's like, okay, if you strip Belichick of his GM duties at this point, which would you still want him as a coach? And there's a debate there, right? And which is really interesting because, uh, they asked Robert Kraft about that after the fact. Um, so after the press joint press press conference, Robert Kraft came, went back and had a Q and a with reporters and a uh, reporter asked, did he entertain removing Belichick's GM role and keeping him as the head coach? Kraft, quote, we thought about that. When you have somebody like Bill, who's had control over every decision, to then take some of that power away and give it to somebody else, accountability is more important to me. It's going to set up confusion. It wouldn't work, in my opinion, Kraft said. <laughs> so I think that's, they had their initial conversation on that on Monday after. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it really did seem that it was like, this is what I need and this is this is what I need and sit on it and sleep on it for a couple of days and come back and let's see if we can hash it out. They didn't come back Tuesday. They they met again on Wednesday and then that's when the decision was made. So, so, um, so, so if you please, I'd like to come back to this. I'd like, I'd like to finish up the Belichick legacy stuff and then let's come back to what's next for the Patriots and, and why, and you know, you know, let, let's, let's look at the past first and then let's work our way up to the present is what I'm proposing. If you're okay with that. Um, so just to go through his to go through his drafts, right? And you and I did that. You know, you know what's interesting though is currently the only player that he drafted that's in the Hall of Fame right now, and we are, we talked about him, Richard Seymour. That's it. And, and it's like, is that a credit to his drafting? Because he had because you know again, people started to say that the Patriots way there is no Patriots way. There's a there was a Brady way, right? And again, maybe towards the end, that's sort of how it became. But that's not true of the first 10, 12 years of the, uh, at the very least of the Patriots dynasty. Um, there was a Patriots way. And there was a, a time when coaches could still be hard asses and more college style. And, you know, not, not, not. You, I think there's a Patriots way right up until the end, personally. Um, you know, it, it I not, mean, it might not yeah, have it might not have had the same results as it did the first 18, 20 years, but I think there was still a Patriots way this season. 
Uh, well, I mean, it's I guess it's not something that's that marketable anymore. Then I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like fair, I don't uh, think it was um, ever a Brady's way. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I think Brady's way is the Patriot way. Yeah, yeah, I think they're two of the same. I agree. But so to my point about the draft record, then is it was never about it, it wasn't necessarily about drafting the most talented guy. It was about drafting a guy that could play in your system, right? Um. And so, like, other than defensive linemen, edge rushers, stuff like that, he didn't really draft a ton of dominant, you know, surefire dominant first rounders uh, other than, like, edge rushers, D linemen. You know, of course, Gronk, but Gronk was a steal in the second round because of injury injury concerns, right? Um, Of course, we know Gronk's going to be a Hall of Famer, so that's another one, of course. Um, Aaron Hernandez would have been. Yeah, probably, right? Um, Asante Samuel, I don't know if he was like ever, uh, considered, but like, so 2003, you know, I'm just going through the list. Asante Samuel was, um, a fourth rounder. So that's a steal right there. Um, I mean, he's, he's gotta be Patriots ring of honor at the very least. Right. Uh, I think he is. If he's not, I know I've, I've heard his name in the discussions. Will, Will Fork, Vince Will Fork is in, uh, you know, uh, he was a hall of fame finalist this year or semifinalist. I don't Semi, think he made the finals. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, Logan Mankins might get some consideration at some point. I don't know. Um, and that was, yeah, that, and he was considered a reach at the time, a little bit of a reach at 32 overall. Um, but that's sure it panned out of course, how they handled him later on. It didn't, um, you going through the list with me or yeah. Or am I, yeah. yeah. Um, that 2006 draft, that one was pretty rough, but they did get, uh, Goskowski, who ended up being a good replacement for Vinatieri for even game. Lawrence Maroney. I mean, not Mar- like a fantastic was okay. running back, but he was serviceable. Mar- no, Mar- Maroney wasn't bad. Um, he wasn't. A, he didn't meet expectations. That would, you know what I mean? Sure. I mean the stats are right there. He only had twenty five hundred career rushing yards, but he had a he had a couple of decent seasons. Um. See, yeah, Brandon Brandon Merriweather was good. He was. Um, he was a Belichick type of player. He was a headhunter. He was he was a guy that, um, you know, they you know couldn't play in today's NFL. I guess so, you know he'd be suspended every week, like you know Kareem Jackson. Yeah, and then two thousand eight, the year of the the draft of uh, head coaches. Ready, first round pick Gerard Mayo, obviously Patriots' new head coach. Uh, third round pick Kevin O'Connell, obviously with the Vikings, and a uh, little sleeper for you here, fifth round pick Matthew Slater, still on the Patriots as of this moment. And uh, probably going to be a coach one day. So potential three head, definite two head coaches, potential is three he, head coaches in in one draft class for one team. I didn't realize he was. Yeah, no, yeah, it says two twenty two. I wonder if he. I wonder if his retirement's actually coming now that you know, just because no more Bill. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, he was really, really uh, contemplating it last year too. So I think he's <laughs> probably done. But if you're, if they, you're they a guy, treated it. They treated it on. Uh, on Sunday, like it was, like it was it for him. Oh, okay. But but they didn't. There wasn't. I like didn't realize side. he was drafted in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, like it's kind of funny. Like as a guy, if you're a guy like Matthew Slater, do you want just one year to see what it's like without Bill? <laughs> you know, like, or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to. Well, I mean, like he it, has his guy. Like I mean, he could be with his, Like he could be his head coach. Could be somebody that he was his draft mate. Like how crazy is that? If he does come back for one more year. It's like, oh yeah, I was drafted the same year as that guy. I'm still playing. He's the head coach. Yeah, he's the successor of Bill Belichick. Um, was, I mean, we we've had situations where, yeah, like the head coach. Wait, what, 
We well, had I mean, like, a, a head coach younger than a starting quarterback, didn't we? Or something? Or well, yeah, I mean, like Brady, like all the time, right? Like, well, kept like when he played. No, no, no. That like where the head coach was younger than the quarterback oh, the, he was coaching. Uh, oh, on um, that team, it's probably yeah, probably was. I mean, because uh, what's his name, Lafleur, is close to Rogers in age. I think I don't know. Um, so yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Then obviously you go up to 2010. Incredible draft. Devin McCourty, uh, maybe not Hall of Fame, but uh, you know, on the on the cusp, you know, he's he's on the fringe there. Um, he, he might be a Hall of Fame finalist anyway. Yeah, right? definitely, um, definitely a Ring of Honor for Patriots type guy. Uh, Gronkowski, you know, debatably the best tight end ever. Uh, so he's going to be a first, first ballot. ballot. Yeah, um, Jermaine Cunningham was a. Uh, no, I might, I might be thinking of somebody else. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, these stats aren't good. Never mind. So Jermaine Cunningham bust. But Brandon Spikes, uh, Brandon Spikes, Aaron Hernandez, Zoltan Mesco. So, Parker, uh, he, have you seen Dude, Where's My Car? Um, I have. Yeah, so you remember the whole Zoltan thing? So um, I, I did it. I, I said it to Mike, and he was like, huh? <laughs> so uh, I, I do. Yeah. You're, you're familiar. Okay. So, yeah, that 2010 draft was unbelievable. Um, Zoltan Mesco was a good punter for a good stretch. Ted Larson was a, was a good lineman. So that 2010 draft, 2011, not bad. Marcus Cannon was a, a serviceable tackle. Stephen Ridley, Shane Vereen, Nate Solder. Um, is, is this Jules year? Uh, oh, sorry, I went past that. Uh, Edelman was 2009, which was also Chung, Darius Butler, Sebastian Vollmer, who was a who was a solid lineman for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, 2012, Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower in the first round. Like, so again, like, oh, Bill Belichick. For a little, <laughs> Chandler Jones has 112 careers. Sorry, you didn't you didn't see that you didn't see that video, did you? Oh, no, I, I shouldn't be laughing, but uh, Chandler Jones posted a video uh, the the morning of the firing um, on his Instagram, oh, uh, singing Chandler Jones being crazy again, singing a song about Bill Belichick. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't go, go through the whole uh, draft list here. But, like, uh, you know, again, Garoppolo in 2014, <laughs> I think in, in, in its own way, uh, one of the greatest picks ever um, in draft history. Because it took some balls to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still, it's still Brady who gave you your only three Super Bowls in franchise history, right? I don't think it's that ballsy. I mean, late, like, end of second round. Uh, beginning of second round, I believe. Nah, 62. Uh, oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Late two, early three. I get what you're saying. It's still, but it's not, um, it's not Jordan Love to the Packers, right? It's not no. first round capital. Which, it's not like Jordan Love should have been that big a deal either. So I guess you're right. I need to be consistent there because I said, I said, stop being a pussy about it, Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's the end of the first round. Like, that's when they—that's when the Packers took you. You know, like you know, right, he was taking twenty fourth right. when Favre was there. So, anyway, um, basically, when you're a head coach and GM for twenty four fucking years, you're gonna have some bad drafts. Brady, uh, excuse me, Belichick had some great ones. So, um. Belichick, the GM, Belichick, the coach. I think Belichick, the GM and the coach, you know, that's kind of inextricable too, because I think him putting the pieces around, he needed guys that would buy in. And sometimes that does require, 
you didn't need to reach all the time the way he did, and that was frustrating sometimes uh, to watch. It was like it was like he wasn't getting the value. It's like that guy would have been available in the third round. You know what I mean? Like like that that happened a lot, right? You know what was more um, frustrating for me as a Patriots fan was the the trade downs. It was just you could set your clock to it. Oh it was going to happen every single time. It's just like there's somebody there that you can have. But I think that's a credit to Belichick. I think it is too. And being self-aware of like he knew I, he he knew that for the most the, part he knew the like personality for the most part that he needed to jive to fit into the system yes. and maybe it's not the best player but the the most talented player but okay that guy isn't going to work here he doesn't he's not a hard worker he's going to get uh you know he's going to get spit out in a minute or I can have this guy who's maybe not as talented but will buy into the system and will be better than the sum of its parts type of thing no, I, I that's 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 kind of my point. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying is and I think and I think he deserves some credit for the trade downs as frustrating as it was for Patriots fans. Um for to me, you know, especially as an outsider cuz I was never really a Patriots fan, but I, you know, I would listen to Boston Sports Radio cuz I'm Boston Sports for everything else, you know. And and I you know, so I would listen to it and it would be frustrating to hear like year after year is like, "Oh yeah, the value wasn't there on this guy. The value wasn't there on this guy." Of course, and then it would it would either be that or it would be a distressed asset like a Rob Gronkowski where it's like oh he's got you know serious medical flags but you take but he would take a chance on him or or he's got serious mental health flags like Aaron Hernandez and take him you know um oh but you know to your point I I think basically I think he actually was a good psychologist you know as as weird as he seems and you know off putting as he is with the media and everything like that. I think he was a good psychologist. I think he understood what he needed to build a good team that was sustainable because you can do what because the, the Rams are kind of the anti-Patriots, right? Like like what they did a couple of years ago where they where you just overload with talent and hey, good for them, right? But they paid for it, right? And then they, and now they have a fran- they do have a franchise quarterback and they don't have a ton around him. And then they got lucky with a fifth round wide receiver and so on, right? But they should have more pieces around him and they don't. Um Again, you shouldn't knock it. You you want a Super Bowl, so like I'm right. not I'm not knocking the Rams, but you didn't win six. It's a lot harder to do to do sustainable, especially in the free in the free agency era. All six of these Super it's Bowls, unheard of. Yeah. it's unbelievable, and I don't think it'll ever be done again. No, and so for all the hate, you know, all the you know, Nikhil Harry's been a popular one. It was like all the receivers that came after Nikhil Harry and, you know, like, and, you know, and, and that ran Brady out of town and, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff, but it, it, I don't know. Nothing lasts forever. It had to end somewhere. Right. And most, if you think about it, how many head coaches actually left on their own accord? Cause I don't think, I don't think Belichick left on his own accord either. Like what you can do this fucking press conference and this dog and pony show. And that's great. Um, I'm not, I'm not a craft fan, so I think he's a dirty old man and I'm not a fan and I think he's fucking cheap because if you look at the, the amount of cash that the Patriots actually spend, they're down near the bottom of the league. And you know, it's a, that's another, I think that's why part of why Belichick was allowed to have the longevity that he did is because, because he, he would get rid of a player before he had to pay him too. You know, I don't, um, and yeah, they, I mean, they fucked it up with Brady, but I don't know. I think I think Kraft, you know, threw Belichick under the bus to a certain degree too. And um 
again, I, I just said, we'll, we'll come back to this. Right. Like, um, cause I, the other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, to, to put it all on Brady, like, oh yeah, Brady won all those Super Bowls or to put, or, or, or to go the other way is ridiculous too. To say Belichick won all those Super Bowls is also ridiculous because let's just go through this list real quick, right? In that era, we know that there are a ton of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Hall of Fame coaches, or near Hall of Fame quarterbacks and coaches that were in that era that didn't win a damn thing or didn't win as much as they would have in any other era, right? The Patriots dominated that era. Yeah, like it literally changed the career trajectories and like narratives of a handful of coaches. Might and have kept some guys out of the Hall of Fame. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously. Like it changes it changes what the standard is, right? It's like like a Philip Rivers. Like is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Is like he probably wins a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. It, and like and so like now we have to look at it differently because right? Because the standard is different if you played in the in the AFC at the same time as Brady. Yeah, right? it's like it's like, like making a Super Bowl is is winning a suit like winning a AFC East or not AFC's AFC championship is like the equivalent of winning a Super Bowl because you have to go through the Patriots for 20 years. Yeah. You're already playing a, a the most talented team in the in the league for the like, most part. Like just think of all these contemporaries right here that, you know, you know some of these are going to be Hall of Famers or already are or whatever, but Kurt Warner, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, I mean these are rivals guys that you yeah. know that, uh so obviously the Manning brothers you know, Peyton more a nemesis, Eli more a nemesis in the other direction. We already mentioned Rivers, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Mahomes. I mean, you know, yeah. a couple times not knocking him out of the playoffs. Joe Flacco. Yeah, they, they, these yeah. are all quarterbacks that like that would you know you you would guess would have uh, a little bit more to their resume without a, without a Tom Brady around, right? What does Mark Sanchez look like? Like we could keep going down the list, like <laughs> well, you know. So so we'll go to the coaches, right? And I don't know about Mark Sanchez, but I'll give you but Rex like, Ryan. You know, uh, like, Mark um, Sanchez was good for a little bit, like a couple years. But yes, Rex Ryan's a better point because like they had stout defenses for years and years, and that was the strength of the team. So that's a better way to go with it. Yeah, Rex Ryan where he doesn't have to face Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the AFC East. They or in the AFC, they probably get a Super Bowl in my eyes. I mean, look, look at the look at the Giants, the two years that they won it. Yeah. In either year were they the class of the even the NFC. They those, got yeah, they those got hot Jets, at the right those time. Those Jets teams were way better than those Giants teams. The, those Jets teams could have gotten hot at the right time with a Mark Sanchez and went on I mean even Joe Flacco when the Ravens were yeah. winning it's it's the same thing. You get hot at the right time. You know, sometimes teams are a juggernaut, but a lot of teams win when they when they just get hot. And um, that's kind of why I'm like kind of on the Browns right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like I was just about to say the same thing. It's it's. I mean the the Raven Flacco like Browns Flacco similarities are it's it's crazy. But but listen to these coaches that were the the you know these are the contemporaries of Belichick that you know the greats. So we mentioned Ryan. Tom Coughlin, obviously Coughlin got the better of him for the most part. Um, Mike Tomlin, Norv Turner, Marty Schottenheimer, if you guys remember him from back in the day. Right. Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, Sean McVay, John Fox, Tony Dungy, Mike McCarthy, John Harbaugh, Sean Payton. Yeah, Tony Dungy, poor guy, right? Like, I mean, he he suffered the most out of any of them. I'd say he and Harbaugh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Andy Reid, you know, in you know, in the beginning, really, Andy Reid yeah. for a long time. Um, so, so. 
My point being, you know, I've already said it, but to win six fucking Super Bowls in the salary cap era against all of those names that we just mentioned. Like, you, you, people say, like, like, I mean, and it's true to, to usually, you got to get a little bit lucky to win a Super Bowl, right? Not when you win six. And I think you, you ask any one of those 20 names that we just mentioned, they'd be like, yeah, my career would be a lot better if I didn't, if, like, if I was in any other era where it wasn't the dynasty Patriots, we have more success. I mean, and you're right. Dungy, it's, it's Dungy and it's Peyton Manning. I mean, they're the ones yeah. that suffered the most. Yeah, right? I was going to say, if not, if not for Tom Brady and Belichick, Manning might have gone down as the greatest quarterback ever. Yeah, because... And, and that's what blows me away, is how do people... They faced every single year. How do people forget what Belichick used to do to Peyton fucking Manning? Yeah. In, at Peyton Manning's peak. Yeah. With, with two Hall of Fame receivers... With like a Dallas Clark running the seam with Edger and James, I mean, like two and, stout running backs, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's what and that's what and Belichick and Belichick's defenses did that to Peyton Manning and the Colts over and, and over and over. Embarrassed him every single year. Yeah, except except for the one year that yeah. they were like, oh, we got to go for it. You know, there was one year where they just couldn't stop him. They didn't they didn't have the horses to stay with the Colts, and that was the year the Colts won the Super Bowl. So. Like to say that this had nothing to do with Belichick. No, peak Belichick is the greatest head coach of all time, hands down. And yeah, he might he might have the greatest football mind ever. You know, it's, and it's funny you say that because this is something I didn't even know about him. And Parker, you tell me if you knew this one. Um, Belichick was the Lions' wide receiver coach in 1977. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no clue. Like, so it, I think it, I have heard that before. I, I didn't know it, but, but it doesn't it surprise like, me, mind. right? Like it's crazy, but it doesn't surprise me because he's just football through and through. Like he has no business coaching wide receivers, right? Like <laughs> if you look at him today, you would never think that without knowing it. But yeah. just just he knowing, also coached for the Baltimore Colts, right? Right. Just, yep. just Colts, Broncos, just, and then he caught on with the Giants, and that's when you know his coaching career becomes a little better known. But, yeah, yeah. But just knowing who he is and his just holistic approach to football it it makes sense when you say that to me because yeah. it's you know he he dissects it from every level and he knows every level and he's probably coached every level and we talk about like how the game has changed as far as the players go but coaches have changed too and i don't think there's a lot of now everybody's a specialist like i don't think there's a lot of coaches that actually know the game every phase of the game anymore and especially i mean we're, we'll talk about Pete carroll a little bit uh, later on, but like they're kind of aging these guys, they're kind of pushing these guys out before they allow them to get that old anymore. So they don't even have the chance to, you know, learn different facets of the game anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like what's the future? It's, it's a Mike McDaniel who, I mean, it's it, almost all of them. It's quarterback coach, right? It's either you were a quarterback coach or you were a linebacker coach, you know, like you were, you were a linebacker and then, you know, and then climb the ranks to linebacker yeah, the coach, new guys. defensive yeah, coordinator. I mean, you don't have like the Harbaugh special teams kind yeah. of, you know. I mean, that's that's an interesting one right there. Yeah, John the Harbaugh Tomlin. was the Eagles. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Well, what was – what did Tomlin play? He, I mean, he, he played in the NFL, didn't he, or did he not? I'm not sure. Could not tell you. I don't remember, but I think he was also a special teams coach. I feel like that era was – that's how they kind of got their foot in the door and then um, – like a 
fringe NFL player, right? If you're going to be the new guy as the coach, you start on special teams, show your value there, and then maybe you can get more playing time as a player. Maybe you can uh, transition yeah. to a different, you know, defensive role. But again, it's usually it's it's not usually the stars, Because right. it was too easy for them. They didn't have to learn the ins and outs. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell, you know? yeah, you know, yeah, you got to be a bum quarterback, you know, bum NFL quarterback, I should say. But you understand the game. You just didn't. You probably didn't have all the tools, you know. Um, and and those guys become coaches. Um, that's why I'm such a good coach. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, okay, so now I'm ready to move on to like yeah. So let's move on to the press conference and that I didn't know that part about the you know the GM role that you were talking. So oh is it, oh is that what the link was? I should have read that. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if if I only like actually paid attention to your notes, what an asshole. Um. So that's that's a that's a good tidbit though, and I and actually, I will give the crafts because I I don't think this is just Robert Kraft. I think this is Jonathan. He he must have a little bit of pull at this point because he's been around the entire run, right? Um, and he knows this is his team someday, probably relatively soon. And uh, I don't really feel bad about that saying that because Robert Kraft's a he's gross, dirty old man. So whatever. Um, I respect you, Mister Kraft. No, I don't. Um, he. I love you, RKK. <laughs> he's like friends with Donald Trump and hangs out. Like he's he's probably on the Epstein list, allegedly or something. Yeah, whatever. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not saying I know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like I did, well, There's, listen to a lot of Aaron Rodgers lately, or uh, no, because it's not the same thing. Because I have evidence because he paid a woman for sex in Florida. So like at a a human a place that traffics humans and the woman that owns that place is, is on the list at mar-a-lago so listen i'm not going to do the alex jones thing right now but yeah like robert Kraft is connected with the you know people who traffic humans so i'm not really i'm not really a fan but anyway um but allegedly i said allegedly knows how to build a football team um he didn't do shit he doesn't get credit for that he, Dude, do you know the Patriots are like over the last decade or they're they're literally like thirty first in money spent, actual cash spent. Hey, it's worked. Uh, no, because when they needed to spend money, except for like last what two years ago, and they blew a bunch of money on John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. <laughs> like, like, see, we spent money because they had to because they had to get to the fucking salary cap floor. So no, like I don't give Kraft any credit. Um, Again, he he liked Belichick because Belichick was cheap too. Because Belichick didn't want to pay quarterbacks, so Tom Brady wanted to take a discount because he was a winner. That's what it was. <laughs> Again, there maybe that's where you make the case there is no Belichick without Brady because Brady's one of the only guys that would have taken that discount. Okay, um, so Gerard Mayo though, so I like this. This is interesting to me. I've been on it. I I've been on it for a long time, not knowing about this clause in Gerard Mayo's contract that that as soon as Belichick was gone, he was now the new he was the new head coach. Yeah, nobody knew that until right yesterday. And to me, it's like I don't understand why the Patriots had to release that information at all because we didn't know anything about Belichick's contract for years. We don't know. We don't even know what Belichick got paid. You know, there's like rumors, but there's but it's not disclosed. And so you don't really need to disclose information about coaches' contracts. And so to me, it would have been more empowering to Mayo and set Mayo up better if they were just like, nope, he's next in line. This is our guy. 
And instead, right now, especially knowing how bad things are on offense and Mayo being a defensive coach, now I feel like it's like, oh, we got ourselves stuck with this. I couldn't disagree more um, on both of the points you just said. They are the ones that put it in his contract that they wanted him to be the next head coach. Last year when they were 7-10 and in the offense, the bottom hadn't completely fallen out on the offense. The offense was bad last year, but it wasn't that bad. Okay. Um, Don't see the correlation there. I understand where you're saying that he needs to... um, I guess I understand where you're saying that you need an offensive mind, but you really don't. I mean, look at D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. I mean, is he an offensive guy? He's not... He's not grooming a quarterback. He's not, you know, developing him. I mean, C.J. Stroud is just a very good quarterback. D'Amico Ryans is a very good football mind. That seems to be working. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I mean, they're in the playoffs. I mean, they were there should have been the number one pick overall last year. They're in a similar position that the Patriots find themselves now. They should have like if they if they just lose the game last year they're the number one pick right instead dude i would love to be wrong because you think you think i don't want another linebacker to be a successful head coach i do but i'm just saying i'm just saying i think i think ryan's might be the exception not the rule but how can how can the the narrative be oh we're stuck with you like that just does not make sense to me at all i'm just saying maybe stuck is a little bit too strong what i'm saying is the way they introduced it is like oh yeah there was a clause in his contract that he was going to be the next guy when we didn't suck but we did suck this year, and it's clear we need to move in another direction offensively, like a, an, a completely different direction offensively. And so you would think you would want like that horrible taste out of your mouth and just like to kind of clean house a little bit. Um, you can clean house on the is, offensive side. He's he's not, and I hope they do because he, I, I he hope, wasn't the one that brought Bill O'Brien back or told uh, Joe Judge and. Matt Patricia to run offense the year prior. That has nothing to do with him. He's just under the coaching staff as a whole. I mean, that that stink isn't in his mouth at I, all. And I sure hope I sure hope they're not bringing back McDaniel's. I hope they're not retaining Bill O'Brien. Like fresh start on offense for the Patriots' sake is is what I think needs to happen. Um, I get what you're saying, and they they tabbed him as the guy. They anointed him last year, right? Yeah, and still confidence. So so, so and he was getting head coaching. Yeah, your your Eagles tried to hire him before they got Sirianni, or not tried to hire him. They tried to have a interview with him, and the that I think that's when the Patriots blocked it, or or shortly after. And um, because if you remember last year, they came out with the announcement, um, which was very unpatriots like. I think I mentioned it um, on a podcast not too too long ago, um, that they had come to terms with an extension that would keep Gerard Mayo in new england for the long term and that's how they worded it and they didn't uh divulge any of the information within that and obviously now that that's when they said that so you are bill belichick to to say stuck with him is a little too strong but i think that i would have left the clause to me i would have left the clause out and just said we made the decision that mayo was the best guy but you know what I don't know. Maybe within the locker room mayo is so respected and it was so clear to the locker room that he should be the guy that the, the players love him. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I will say like, you know, even, even using experience as a player, I do remember when the, um, the head coach at Norwich, for instance, stepped down like this is division three football, whatever, but he had been the head coach for a long time. Everybody loved the defensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator was a jackass and the offensive coordinator got the job. 
And so, but everybody would have like run through a brick wall for the defensive coordinator, you know? Um, again, who knows? Maybe the offensive coordinator was a better football mind. I, it's, like hard, a, it's hard for me to fathom that. But. Quote, he's like a shot of espresso in the morning. One, one player on Gerard Mayo. This is before the announcement. This is when, uh, this is before Belichick. I'm, I want to say I'm not rooting against him, by the way. Um, because I, I would love I would love to see more defensive coaches succeed in the NFL. So um also um I didn't know that like classic Belichick, you know, going out with uh some something unforeseen. Um I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know you could just because there's rules in place, right? When a, a coach leaves that you have to Rooney rules that you have to interview so many people and do these things. I didn't know you could just be like, no, this is our successor. We're not going to do that. But are, I think, are there? I, I think that plays a part in it too. It's just like we don't even want somebody else in the building. Like we have our guy here. I don't even want to see what's on the outside. Like that. If if I'm Mayo, that instills confidence. That is so. That might be the other part of it. Is they might have had to disclose to everybody that there was a clause I think in that's his contract. Why they did, yeah. So what I don't. Because I don't, I might not know every in and out of the Rooney Rule. I thought right. basically, as long as you interviewed a minority candidate, you were good. But like, why would you? Why the fuck would you need to do that if you're hiring a minority candidate? You yeah, know what I, mean? I don't think that's um, it, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, that's you know that that we we shouldn't gloss over that either though. It's another black head coach in the NFL, and that's a great thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, you still wonder when the enemy's time is. Maybe it's this offseason. I don't know. Um, but obviously, Parker wants him in the Bears. The, OC. Um, right, Parker. Yeah, oh, so I want him. So he's going to take his third OC Chicago job. As the OC, he's going to take his third OC job without getting a head coaching job. I think if uh, I want, personally, I don't. If he doesn't get the Washington job, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, their their offense did kind of flutter out towards the second half of the year. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, Howell looked good for a little while. Uh, yeah, like, then he looked terrible. Unfortunately. Very, very bad. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yards are overrated. Very, man. very not good. Yeah. Um, very inducive to losing football games, which is what they started doing at a rapid rate. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up our uh, Patriots thoughts. We'll just let's let's just circle back to the good the good times, right? So, what's what's your favorite memory of the dynasty? No, you go first, you asshole. So I, um, well, I, it, I'm not an asshole. It's fucking amazing when Malcolm Jenkins knocked Brandon fuck Brandon Cooks out. Was, that was great. Yeah, exactly. That's why you're going for Malcolm Jenkins. See, Parker, is that not one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history? I mean, it would be better if the Eagles recovered the fumble, but he knocked him the fuck out, and it was clean. It was a good play. It probably. Oh, oh I I don't remember this play, but I just love Malcolm Jenkins. Super Bowl Fifty Two. It was. I can't remember if it was first or second quarter, but Brandon Cooks caught the ball and he he took like six steps. There's no chance it was defenseless receiver. And then he just did not see Malcolm Jenkins coming at all, and he got cleaned the fuck out. And he lit, and he yeah, he was unconscious. And I just loved that because it was a clean hit, um, and it was great, and it set the tone for the Eagles to win that Super Bowl. Which, by the way, inter- I don't think the Eagles are that team. But when the Eagles won that Super Bowl, everyone was like, "Well, that's it. Wentz is hurt. It's over," including me. I was like, "There's no chance." <laughs> and and now like. The Eagles are the worst playoff team. It's just that it's that they they are the worst team in the playoffs. Yeah, so, probably. so like, do we have everybody right where we want them now? <laughs> Maybe like, we still have Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and all the guys with the you know the you know we don't have Chris Long though who I really yeah, liked. Chris Long yeah. is really good. 
Um, he wasn't great or anything, but he was like a good. No, he was a glue guy. You he know? was a glue guy. Um, so Patriots Super okay. Bowl winner too. All right, but all right, I'll stop being a dick. Uh, you know, okay. So Patriots. Um, to me, one of them's beating the Legion of Boom. The the to a ten down ten against the that Seahawks defense. Unbelievable. I mean, what was it the year before the Seahawks like absolutely eviscerated the Broncos or? Yep. or um, yep. So, um. Uh, that's that's a huge one for me, and then of course it wouldn't if they had handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, they don't win, but they did, and um, you know they even talked about preparing, um, you know preparing Malcolm Butler, you know for that play, you know like he he saw that stuff on film, so that's another thing about Belichick, right? Um, but then yeah, then uh, you know Brady giving uh, Butler the MVP truck. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, cool. Uh, I, it, like obviously again because I mean Brady wasn't even anywhere near the richest quarterback in the NFL. Um, I mean maybe with you know his wife at the time, but um, and also another one that you guys won't remember. And I love me some John Madden. Uh, you know, so so rest in peace, John Madden. Um, but. During that Super Bowl, seventeen to seventeen, you guys have at least seen the NFL films of it, and it's seventeen to seventeen. The Patriots get the ball, two minute drill, and John Madden's like, "Is like, oh, they got a young Just quarterback, like, yeah, take a knee. I think they should, they should play for overtime." And Brady proceeds to drive him into position for the winning field goal. And uh, let's, I mean, let's not forget about Adam Vinatieri because, like, he was really only the first half of the like. So you guys remember Vinatieri, but you don't remember Vinatieri, and like. I mean, God, that guy, like he didn't yeah, have, so. he didn't have the range of some of these guys these days, but dude, he was balls. He was just, he was out he, there in a blizzard, just kicking it right down the upper, right through the upper. Ice. Yeah. Oh yeah. So to be kicking in a dome in the Super Bowl, fuck it. Like, yeah, <laughs> this no, is nothing. No, no big deal. So, um, those are, those are my favorites. I'm sure 28 to three, you know, there's plenty of moments from 28 to three that are your guys' favorite moments. Yeah. Too. I mean, well, just that whole, that whole 2015 season. season just as a whole coming off to flake gate we we talked we mentioned the colts and embarrassing them for deck over a decade and peyton manning and um tony dungy like ruining their lives right for over a decade well that continued into the early 2010s and the patriots just beat up on the colts and all the, here's here are these deflated footballs which is a bunch of bullshit because it's cold in new england and the ball is deflating Ideal gas law, anybody, anyway. Wait, 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 wait. So you guys, hang on. Are you guys believers that Brady didn't tell P- him to to deflate the football? All right, that's yeah. neither here nor so, there. So here's the thing, because I don't give a shit, because I know other quarterbacks do it. So I don't care. It's it, it, it's just like Harbaugh and the and the sign stealing. Everybody fucking does it. Who cares? Um, but he did it. He wanted Are you guys lower. really throwing ideal gas law out there, he, Parker? Parker, I mean, are you an ideal gas law guy? I mean, science. I'm not a science. <laughs> I'm not a science denier. Yeah, uh, you really are Aaron Rodgers tonight. Anyway, um, so so anyway, Aaron Rodgers probably did it too. Or you guaranteed Aaron Rodgers com- did coming it. off of that and the Fugazi suspension. They just run the table, get to the. Get back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> now they're losing twenty-eight to three. Everyone's getting their laughs off. Oh, the, the balls aren't you know, deflated this time. Blah blah blah. And then they come back and they win that game. It's the greatest comeback in sports history, if you ask me. And and to win that game, um, I mean that's obviously a lasting me- memory. 
I can't. I'm sorry. I, I can't yeah, let that's, you guys. That's easily my. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Parker. That's easily my favorite. No, that's my. That's easily my favorite memory. Um, I remember exactly where I was. I was on Facetime with Mike the entire second half. It was. It was just one of the greatest moments of my sports life. I mean, honestly, for me, it was like it was one of the most fun games to watch for me, and I, I didn't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. Um, it was, I still lived out in Vegas, so I was over at a friend's house, and you can ask Casey this. I looked at everybody in the room at halftime, and I said, this game's not over. <laughs> and I even, I even knew because I was looking at the stats on my phone or something, and I knew because the, the Falcons' defense was on the field the entire first half. It was like – it was unbelievable. It was like the, the Pats had like seven minutes time – or uh, – Sorry. The, yeah, the Falcons had like seven. The Falcons minutes. had like seven minutes time of possession. Wow, um, it was unbelievable. I, I we, we should go back and look it up exactly what it was. But by the end of the game, the Falcons' defense, counting p- plays taken away with penalties and overtime, I think they were on the field for like 104 snaps. That's astronomical. That's crazy. I mean, you remember like James White running into the end zone to, to win the game. Like there were guys so exhausted that they like they they, they, they weren't even, even sprinting out. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they couldn't to win the Super Bowl to, to prevent get to the, the edge. Yeah, yeah. like they, that's how exhausted they were. And I did hear you know going to the twenty eight three thing too. Is I did I heard a couple of days ago somebody was talking about um, uh, Dan Quinn being a head coaching candidate, and they were, they were like, oh yeah, the architect of twenty eight to three. It's like you know, losing the game. And it's like, like, fuck that. No, that like, first of all, that was, that was Shanahan's fault. That was Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan. I don't know how much Dan Quinn was in the decision-making process. It's another Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll thing. Right. But that's on the offensive coordinator and it's on Matt Ryan. You don't fucking take a sack in that situation. Let me me give you one more. So, so that one's obviously fantastic. Uh, This one's a little deeper in the, in the Patriots fandom weeds. Um, Belichick handing over the Lamar Hunt trophy instantly in 2018. Um, just, he just didn't have time to look they, at that thing. They gave him the AFC championship trophy. They're like, congratulate. He, it was like a hot potato. Like you would think that that thing would cast a spell on his entire family. He did. He didn't even acknowledge it. Just, I don't want this. Now, obviously, they went on to lose to the to the Eagles, and they didn't win that Super Bowl. But it's just like we're at a point where like this is a paperweight to me. I don't want this. Like, get this out of here. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, some of them got to be like Gronk moments too. Like, oh, when yeah, like you know, get uh, him out of the club. Throw him out of the club. Was, was that was that, that was, Colts? That, Colts? Uh, Colts? Uh, Colts? Him out of the club. Yep. I remember. I remember him making Ryan Kerrigan, who was a who was a respected edge rusher and he was in coverage on that play but making ryan kerrigan just look like a child breaking a tackle just some of just some of the stuff dude i mean like the julian edelman throw in the ravens playoff game to amandola just just so much oh yeah with harbaugh bitching about it oh so much um the time he um he just like played clock manipulation against was it the jets and he just like took like three minutes off the clock on a on a punt he just kept on getting penalties and just taking time <laughs> off the clock. Oh. I mean, how many rules have been changed just for Belichick? I mean, even like, this year, we talked about it earlier, like the uh, the, the special the, the teams field goal, block. The field goal block, yeah. yeah. They'll, like, they'll, just, they'll find a way to make it illegal. Yeah. There, there's still nuggets there like of his just vast football knowledge that Brilliant. nobody else has. 
He's been coaching football for 50 years. <laughs> and he can recall it. Like, uh, I know I, I was just making fun of you for being Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers was talking about it because he, he spoke with Belichick after the game on Sunday. And um, McAfee asked, you know, what were you talking about? He's like, he's like, oh, we were, because uh, it was a snow game in Foxborough, right? He's like, we were, Bill recalled um, a snow game from like 1997 and a certain play that was being called. And he just relayed that to me. Just like off the off the cup, and I'm just like that. That's literally who he is. That's that's his brain. I uh, I can't wait now that now that the feud is really over because I don't think it was ever going to be over until Belichick was out of New England. I think it can be over now. Like even if Belichick gets another job, and we can talk about that another time, right? Um, but the feud's really over now, right? Like, and so like you know, a few years from now, they'll be at the Hall of Fame together. And I sure, I mean, Belichick's old, right? So I sure hope it happens before Belichick dies and they can be like in a room together and we can watch, we can watch that 30 for 30 or we can watch well, that NFL. We're not going to have, we're not going to have long Tory. Luckily, February 16th, Patriots uh, dynasty documentary. I know, coming but, out. but I think they're still going to be a little secretive. And I think, you know what I mean? And I, so I, I want to wait. I want that time where like five years from now and Belichick doesn't have to give a shit anymore. and He doesn't need to keep his secrets I anymore. I think Belichick's great and in these instances. I'm really excited about this stuff. He was actually pretty good on the John Madden one. So oh, I was fantastic. Like, and like the, yeah, like the NHL or NHL NFL's 100 all time list. Like he's very good when it comes yeah. to the history of, and he's very open. But he, but he's never really, he's still been reserved about giving Brady his due. And I think that he won't do that so much. I don't much think he has. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that either. I don't know, man. I, I mean, maybe more recently, but I would just. I would love. Yeah, to like, no, definitely recently. You know what? But you never hear about specific plays that, like, like, like that, like where where Belichick can talk about a specific play where I where like Brady like, did something. Like where, or, where like yeah, yeah I, and I, I, I said to Tom, and you know what I mean. I, I agree I, with that. I would love to, and I hope that's, and I'm envisioning that's what this is in february because i hope so i because i because I, I want that insight from that great mind that you're talking about talking about the greatest player in nfl history yeah. you know and, what and i the mean behind the scenes and the, yeah. the personalities behind that yes yeah you know and and even maybe even for belichick to how you show a little bit of contrition or 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 reflection or like oh if i could have done this differently i would have because because we haven't really heard that from belichick yet but yeah. i think we might i think th- i think that comes after I think you have to wait until yeah. after he hangs it up. But I hope himself. that happens. I hope yeah. that happens. Maybe with them in the same room and they fucking hug it out. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. You know, yeah. like I like because I'm not. I don't usually buy into that stuff, but it's Bill Belichick and fucking Tom Brady. You yeah. Know? So give me it all. Yeah. Um, shit, man. Um, it's just like yeah. So I mean, do we just spend an hour just on Belichick? We did. But, we but did. you know what? It's I think it totally warrants it because. I don't even give a fuck. My comparisons are apt. This is huge. And the, and the press conference didn't do it justice. And Belichick losing to the Jets his last game as a Patriots head coach didn't do it justice. And it's just, it's crazy, man. It's It it was a very anticlimactic end, unfortunately. But there was no way Belichick was ever going to go out on top because he's just, you know what I mean? He's he's going to coach until the wheels fall off. That's that's who he is, you know? Um, you know who that isn't? It's Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a good segue. And... Can you believe that Nick Saban retiring kind of got upstaged? <laughs> like, like Bill, that's Bill, crazy. Bill gave him his 18 hours, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like, it's crazy that we talked that long about that. We could do another hour on Nick Saban, and we're not going to. Um, 
But, we, I mean, I just gave you all the stats, the legacy of Belichick. What Saban did at Alabama is – it's crazy that it's this – that it's ending the same year. I mean, talk about end of an era, man. This is this is unbelievable. Um, King Dong, the witch is dead. These are all your notes, Parker. You read them. Oh, okay. Um, His screensaver's up. He's he's not prepared. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. So in the sixteen years that Nick Saban was at Alabama, he only had one. Season of losing three games. Unbelievable. Obviously, he had six national titles at Alabama. Seven if you include LSU. I do. He had, no, no, no. It's fair. <laughs> uh, he had more first-round draft picks than losses at Alabama. Which is just a, like, you have to... You have to sit with that one for a minute. No, the funny thing is, is when you said it to me, I was like, well, yeah, duh. duh. Like, and how crazy is it's that? Expected. Well, yeah. It's because it's like, I was like, yeah, there was a year that like six, six Alabama players went in the first round. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, he lost, what, five games his first year and then three and one then year. And plenty then, of years with none. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Parker. Um, He resurrected an Alabama program that was mediocre at best they're still living in the days of bear bryant who was the last head coach he broke every single record who was his predecessor actually like um he- <laughs> i want to say it was mike shula i think you're right oh <laughs> um and he broke every record in college football other than like wins but like if he would have coached as long as joe paterno he would have broken that. No, but his his, uh, he, his yeah his stretch he was. He will go down as the greatest college football coach in history. I, I, uh, Joe Kynes actually two thousand six. Oh, interim. Yeah, Mike Shula. Ugh. Um. Did you, uh, Parker? Did you say this one? He, only only one of his recruiting classes didn't win a national title there. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, it, yes. So from 2006 to this year, only one recruiting class went an entire four-year stretch without winning a national championship, and that was this year's seniors. So he could have literally, and he, um, I think he expressed regret for not winning this year, but you, he could guarantee you a national championship and he kept his word for the entirety of his, his span until he couldn't. And then he's like, all right, I guess I'm done now. That's just remarkable. And I mean, obviously we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into, can it ever be done again? And that might be part of the reason that he's out too. Of course he's 72. Um, but I mean, Alabama, you, you know, we, what do you say? You know, LSU is wide receiver you. Penn State is linebacker you, right? Like like we do that all the time. Alabama was everything. It's just NFL. Alabama is just NFL rosters, you know, in waiting. It was running back you. It was O-line you. It was D-line you. It was like defensive backs. It was all of it. Like, look at look at the NFL track record. Yeah, I think quarterback's the only one that you can't say. Until recently, of yeah, course. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he... You know, but even even uh, what was it? Um, uh, McElroy was a was a solid backup. So there was a good stretch, even where he was putting solid. He still backup. is. Um, McElroy is still in the NFL. No, no, no. 
It's uh, wait. Oh my god, I'm not. Th- I'm thinking of uh, you're thinking the of, one after him, uh, McCarron. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. McCarron is still in the league. Um, yeah, he's back up to Jake Browning. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and uh, didn't he, didn't he have like a, a John Michael Booty or something? Or was that USC? Am I thinking? Am I? There was a guy named There was a guy yes. named Booty. I remember him. Um, that was USC, I believe. One of the, yeah, you're probably right. Great, just a great football name though. To go with Jim Bob Cooter and Jim Bob Cooter, yeah. Everyone, everyone <laughs> remembers Jim Bob Cooter. Um, <laughs> so, as far as like what this means, bigger picture, right? So, yeah, Saban's seventy-two. Um, he cited health concerns, and so it might not really mean anything, right? But I don't know. Do you guys think it's kind of a sign of the times where, because you know, NIL, the 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 change of the direction of the league. Uh, you know, I say the league. It is a league, whatever. Um, but to change the direction of college football with NIL and everything, do you think that pushed him out a little bit sooner than it would have? Parker, I'll let you take that one. Um, I honestly don't. So I watched his interview with Reese Davis after he retired, and he just said that he it was the grind. He couldn't wake up every day and like feel good about doing this more and more. Uh, he didn't want to like put a burden on his players. He didn't want to lie to them. He didn't want to tell them he'd be there any longer than he probably would. And he just felt that this was the best time for him to leave. Yeah, we talk about, um, we just spent a lot of time talking about Bill Belichick and how he did both, right? How he was a coach and a GM. That's the nature of being a college coach. Um, it's a young man's, game at this point really uh, because you do have to do both you have to recruit and you have to coach obviously um, I think he adapted better than uh, a lot of people thought that he would adapt when it comes to NIL and stuff um, his adaptation has allowed them to stay relevant and stay making the playoffs essentially every single year um, you look at somebody like Dabo Sweeney who just doesn't He's just like, I'm not going to do that. And look at where Clemson is now, right? And they were in the national championship every single year, and now they're not. And Dabo Sweeney is much, much younger than somebody like Nick Saban. Like, Saban is smart enough to know what it takes to get to that point and and how much it takes to sustain that success. And I think he's just at that point where he's like, okay. And he has been very, very adamant about, he said this, um, I'm not sure if he said it outright, outright publicly the last couple of years, but it's been well known that it's just like, I'm not going to allow Bama to fall off. Like I am leaving before the wheels fall off. Like that's, I'm going to have a, a plan in place to have somebody else come in and, and steer the ship because uh, I'm not going to be here towards the downfall of Alabama. That's not what's going to happen. Um, You know, I think you just, you nailed it a minute ago. I mean, dude, 72 years like i mean there's other older old coaches that amaze me with their ability to adapt i'm 37 and i don't like change <laughs> you know what i mean like like i don't like new things i get i'm pissed off about this ai stuff and it, and, it, and it directly affects my livelihood you know what i mean and instead of adapting to it i'm like no fuck that like I, i'm gonna i'll work at the i will move to the last place in the country that doesn't use ai for their fucking newspaper before I before i use against it you, yeah artificial intelligence Is that, just kidding just kidding sorry 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 future overlords i'm just kidding um but yeah 
Um, it's unbelievable how the old guys, you know, when the old guys can adapt. And 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 to your point, you know, if we're gonna, you know, we'll do the Saban Belichick comparison a little bit. You know, Saban Saban adapted better than Belichick did, right? Um, and maybe you know, maybe it's being around. You know, ah, they keep me young, you know, like, you know, being around kids or something, you know what I mean? Maybe that helps. I don't know. But um, just a, just an unbelievable run with Nick Saban that where you, again, how do you do that? I mean, we talk about Belichick's dominance over a hundred or excuse me, over 28 teams, it's at, if, uh, 32 yeah. teams, Jesus. But then, um, but then <laughs> yeah, add a hundred to that. And that's what Saban dominated at the same, actually in a shorter time frame. Uh, a little bit shorter time frame, he dominated at the same, you know, he had the same level of success. Six national titles. 11-1 and one in the SEC is almost the most crazy stat. Title out of games. All of those. Yeah, 11-1 and one SEC title games. Like, that is... And his one loss was the first one. Just, that's insane. And this is this is a meme that I saw, and I uh, I should I should give credit for who it was, but... It's it just a meme that said, hear me out, bar rescue, but Nick Saban runs a struggling program for a week. <laughs> like, I would I would spend uh, a lot of money that is how to Nick, watch that. That is how Nick Saban should spend his retirement. It's like, like, like you don't, Nick, you don't have to kill yourself running, you know, one college program anymore. And, and you, you just give them the tools and then you pack up your shit and you go to the next town, you know, like. <laughs> like he comes into like three, three and eight Arizona State in, in week 13. Yeah. And he was just like, no, nah, here, here's the, here's the keys. And he just, and he just starts kicking shit and throwing shit around and, or what, whatever it is he does, you know, all of a sudden it's they're like, five and eight. And then the next year they're, you know, nine, they're cusp playoff team or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. Instead of John Taffer, like, this is going to make people sick. You know, instead it's like, this, this is going to get you fired. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'd pay a lot of money to see that. Yeah, I'm I'm up for this show. Absolutely. Um I don't <laughs> I, I hope somebody's pitched it to, to Nick, that's all. Because I'd watch for sure. But then like, you know, is he giving away his secrets? I don't know. But really, what we need to know is would Kalen DeBoer watch this show? <laughs> um interesting, you know, um I don't know, guys. What do you think? Does 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 his hire, does it does it move the needle? Does it does it actually uh or I guess I mean, do you need to move the needle, Alabama? I mean, they put the fear of God into the national championship, national champions this year, right? Um, so, so I, but think, I, you know, but Bama hasn't been Bama for the last few years, where they were like terrifying, right? Well, so, so I, I mean, they did beat Kirby Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Bama was Bama this year, right? Is maybe just not they had talent at the quarterback position for a few years, and now Milrow is obviously not on the level of Hertz and so I, Tua and. I don't know who could have been the right hire, but DeBoer doesn't feel like it to me, and that's nothing against him. He wins wherever he goes, obviously bringing Washington to the national championship game this year, great at Fresno State, electric at offense at Indiana. Um, he won FCS, I believe, FAIA or whatever it was as well. Um, Sometimes. Yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Bama is a great job because of Nick Saban, um, but like Parker said, it, they were they weren't in a great place pre Saban, and one of Saban's biggest like uh, sticking points. We talk about 
adaptation was like Bama doesn't have the boosters that a Texas A&M has, that a Tennessee has, that a Florida has, that Ohio State has, that Texas has. Like there's just not a ton of money in Alabama, right? Just when, you, when well, you... Okay, so there's not a ton of money in Alabama and yeah, there's not uh oil, you know, there's not the oil tycoon money, but they're, they're does, that, not, does Alabama not really have the booster money? They're that, not like, I mean, the amount of not really the amount of money that they've made off of Nick Saban, they should just in that regard. Um, and I'm sure they're. But is some of that money probably going away now without Saban? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, you'd think that enrollment would go down a little bit, and you know all these things. Um, yeah, I mean, it obviously starts with the players. Do players still want to go there for? A DeBoer who has shown that he can bring a you know a power five program to relevancy again, but it just doesn't seem like the hype is gonna be there. Like people were going to Alabama for Nick Saban because they knew that they could go to the NFL, right? Like it, it was uh you do what Nick Saban tells you to do, like you can buy into this program. You're gonna win national championships and you're gonna go to the NFL and you're gonna and have you're gonna get drafted. And you're probably gonna get a second contract in the NFL, right? And it, it's just like uh that's like a an eight figure you're signing up for like an eight figure you know payday at the end of the day right there um it, does <laughs> DeBoer do that and I don't think he he does does he win yeah but um he hasn't stuck around at one place long enough to see if you can just produce NFL talent on that scale which is the draw for Alabama I mean like there's other places like you can go right like Austin Texas is a, a nicer city objectively than Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You want to go to Miami? Like you can go to all, there's, there's a lot of warm places with people with big pockets that you can go to. You don't have to go to Alabama. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I might have a bias here from my time in the military, but I, I don't want to go to Alabama. You don't want to go to T-Town? <laughs> I don't, I don't. And, um, you know, so the move obviously makes sense for DeBoer, right? I yeah. Mean, well, because, I mean, I think it's kind of yeah, crazy absolutely. to I think it's kind of crazy to want to follow Nick Saban. I uh, think you yeah, have to, well, okay, but part of it is got I, I, did, were the terms of the contract disclosed? I, I don't think so. Because Alabama's got to be offering more than Washington, I would imagine, right? A good deal more. Um, yeah, his buyout was uh, wasn't insignificant. 12. I think it was twelve or thirteen. Yeah, million. Um. But anyway, so, but it's probably the right time for DeBoer to get out because Washington's one of those teams that they need the guy to, they're not going to reload at quarterback, right? And so with Penix being gone, it was the right time to get out of, out of Washington, right? So how do you not take the Alabama job if it's being offered, right? Um, what yeah, was no, and, uh, so for him, it makes sense. For Alabama, it, as you're asking, it doesn't move the needle. <laughs> Um, I think there were like three or four names that they could have gone with. Well, who, so give me I that. Like, what, like what, who else was a candidate? Uh, it was Lane Kiffin, Stark. I did hear Kiffin. Yeah. Um, Dan Dan Lanning, and then I think a dark horse was Kirby Smart, but that would just be an idiotic move. <laughs> right. Yeah, that but, was, yeah like, for Kirby, as Mike was saying, yeah. Dabo's inability to uh, adapt, like three, four years ago, like the Alabama job was his, but because of his lack of um, adapt adapting, he played himself out of it. 
and he is alumni of Alabama. So that's the one that made the most sense, but he played himself out of it. And I did hear, you know, just the bad blood before. That's probably what kept Kiffin out of it, even though he was, a, you know, a legitimate candidate. I'm sure it weighed into the decision. Imagine right? if Prime went to Alabama. I mean, there was talk of that, right? I mean, I think there's, yeah. I mean, I think it was floated out there that he might be a candidate, but I, I don't, I don't think that's the right spot for Prime. He's got to wait till Florida State falls back off or something, right? Norvell was another one. Well, there were kinda, talks of Norvell too. Yeah, pretty much. There's, I mean, when a job like that opens, right? It there's every big name is going to be floated out there. Um, I don't think we'll ever know how much legitimacy there was behind most of those names. Obviously, there was some legitimacy behind Landing because he came out with the video saying, "I'm staying at Oregon." Um, but I like did Parker, you said Kiffin did the same thing with Ole Miss? Yeah, I I'm pretty sure Kiffin put out a video either today or yesterday. Gotcha. Saying the exact same thing. Gotcha. So it's, I mean for me that, but that both, shows, both of them got some big contracts out of it. Right. That, whether they're legitimately thinking about BAMO or just using it to get a pay bump, I mean, good for them. Smart business decision. Oh yeah, totally. I mean and you know you kind of you know uh, were smirking at the at the hype videos, but that's smart too. No, I mean, it is. 18, it is. Eighteen year old kids buy into that shit, right? So, but it's just but. like at first I took it as this is my hype video for I'm staying, and then I I sat on it for a minute. Then I was like, oh okay, like uh, I'm gonna stay and and build the program. Like come come play with me if your coach doesn't know where they're going next. Because here's the thing, like now, like. There used to be recruiting season. Recruiting is really, it really is 12, 12 months a year now. Yeah. Like, no, there's no off switch. There's no off switch for recruiting now. So, um, which to you, you know, you said something a little while ago, and I almost wonder if there should be a division of responsibility where there's like, I mean, you can't, right? Because like, because the head coach is the guy and he's got to be the one that walks into the living room, right? But it's like, there should be some division of responsibility for X's and O's and recruiting because it, it almost at this point it almost feels like too much for one guy. Yeah, and you don't have a yeah no you yeah. have an athletic director but you don't have a general manager. Coaches, and you need to figure out where the where the money's going, right? Like, yeah, the the Nick Saban days of like one one guy at a program for twenty ish years those are done. That that's not happening. Guys are going to burn out so much quicker now with with the nature of. Um, having to yeah do the X's and O's and be a full-time general manager for 365 days a year. It's kind of unfortunate really because it's um I don't know man like we you, need more coach outs. We need more guys that are just recruiting as the face and then have the guys that are scheming things on on Saturdays or you know Monday through Saturday. Right. And, and have have, it, coach have an influence in those things sure but like have like specialize in recruiting. Like I I don't know why more programs don't do that. I think a lot of them are starting to trend that way. Yeah, I think it'd be smart. And I think um, if you want a face and you want that stability and you want that continuity, that's I think that's one way to achieve it. I know, like, for Ohio State, like, they don't... Like, Ryan Day doesn't go out and visit the big-time recruits. Who does? Until it's, like, nut-cutting time. Well, is, is yeah, it just but, position, yeah, position guys up until that point, position yeah. coaches. But he still does it when it's not gutting time, right? right? When he so needs like, to. 
And and, and that's what I mean. It's got to be I, that guy that has brand recognition on the sideline. So you still need it to be that guy. And you know what I mean? The head coach is the guy that's going to have the camera on him most, you know, most of the game in between plays. Right. And that's the guy that, that the kids are going to recognize. And so, so he has to be a recruiter. So it's more of a, yeah, you take some of the X's and O's responsibility off of that guy. Right. And I don't, and which feels weird. It feels like, it's like, it's like, so, so the salesman needs to be the, you know, you know, the, the head guy. It's college is weird. College football is weird. That's all. I mean, that's all there is to it, which, but it's beautiful. It, it is. It, it is, is beautiful. Um, which kind of brings me to my uh, uh, one more point. Um, you know, so so Mike, you pose the question: Which of the two is the goat? Is it Saban or is it Bill? You know, he said Saban actually won more in a shorter time period by a little bit, right? Um, in a pre-sal because we basically have a salary cap era of of sorts in college football now, right? So maybe you know there will be another coat, another goat in college football that that won in the NIL era, right? But um. No, you know, to me, it's apples and oranges, and you know, and Saban's actually the reason you see that because he he did not succeed in the NFL, and uh, and his style was obviously more tailored to to college football, right? Um, I mean, Bill would have been a great college football coach too, probably. Especially, well, I, I I wanted to say that, but I wanted to save it for the Saban stuff. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if he didn't have to manage like the personalities of the kids, like themselves, right? Bill would be the greatest college coach of all time. Even then, though, I think I think <laughs> because because we 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 had this argument before about Saban, right? It was like, oh well, is it his style? Like, yeah, he's a little bit less abrasive than Bill, and he's a little bit better of a communicator. And I think, than, but, but I think Bill would be that. I I agree with yeah. what you're saying because you see it. Bill Bill has the ability to be personable when he wants to be, and Bill would get you ready for the NFL. Just like you, I mean, and that's the selling. That's yeah. the selling point for Saban, right? Yeah, is to wait. You, that's like, true. So you don't need to be, you don't need to be smooth talker if you're Saban or Bill at the, in the at the college ranks. And so, you know, it, it's just interesting. It's not even. It's not really worth arguing who's this guy's better or that guy's better. Um, you know, I will say. I guess I'll say Bill because he did it at the pro level, and I think Bill could have done it at the college level. But I'm not saying everybody that does it at the pro level could do it at the college level or vice versa. No, no. Um, but it brings up another interesting thing with another – this this should be another shocker for everybody when you think about it. And this guy it. did both. This guy did both. Pete Carroll, uh, you know, you know, another quote-unquote amicable oh. decision part, – you know, not parting of ways technically because he's going to stay on in an advisory role or whatever the fuck – and this one, honestly, so Saban, you know, obviously it was Saban was, was on his own terms, right? Pete Carroll, I don't get the sense it was on his own terms. He seems like he still has energy. Um, and I also don't feel like the Seahawks were winning in spite of him. And the Seahawks just barely missed the playoffs. They had a winning record. Um, you know, there could be other things. You know, maybe he, maybe he didn't want to give up on Geno Smith, and they're like, yeah, we need to give up on Geno Smith. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, no, I mean it really could be something like that, no, right? It could be. It could be. Um, you know, but but at the end of the day, Geno Smith's, uh, you know, number fifty. He's he's Kirk Cousins, right? Like that, that's basically probably what he is. You know, Kirk Cousins is better than Geno Smith, but I get uh, what you're saying. A little bit, but not not that much. Um, Kirk Cousins is a better fantasy quarterback. <laughs> no, Kirk Cousins wins wins you more games than Geno Smith does, but that's not the that's not the point of this topic here. I don't I don't get it, Kirk. Kirk Cousins had a better receiver than like yeah DK is good Tyler Lockett's good but 
Kirk Cousins had Justin Jefferson and didn't win shit. Get, you, get you further. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get you where you need to be. I think they're pretty much the same guy. And yeah, neither one of them is going to get you to a Super Bowl. So they're pretty much the same guy. Um, so anyway, Pete Carroll, he did both. That's incredible. He won, he won a national championship. Yeah, he won a national championship that wasn't vacated too, right? Like, or what's the deal there? I can't remember. Yeah, he won two. Yeah, and one of them wasn't stricken from the record or whatever, right? Not that I give a shit about the one that was. I don't was. think either of them were. No, I think uh, his last USC one, or... I thought they took or, the, no, the it, Reggie Bush year. I thought they took off. They took the Heisman. Yeah, no. They didn't take the national championship? C- correct, yeah. There was just a bunch yeah. of sanctions within the program, which led him to running up the Pacific uh, Highway there to Seattle. Got it. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think there's ever been a vacated national championship in football. Okay, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, but yeah, there's only two other guys uh, that are on that list with him, and it's Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. And talk about asterisks. Barry Switzer gets an asterisk because <laughs> after he came from Oklahoma, um, he inherited the program from Jimmy Johnson, or he inherited the Cowboys from Jimmy Johnson. Um, with this, it was the Steelers won one year, and then and then Switzer won a Super Bowl with that that same Cowboys team: Aikman, Smith, Irvin, all of them. Um, so yeah, Switzer doesn't really count, but Jimmy Johnson does. And he was uh, Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Oklahoma before. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of a crazy jump from Oklahoma to tech. I mean, rivals right there, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, even to go, um, you know, Miami to Dallas, right? I mean, like. To, Back then, my you know Miami was rivals with yeah that's true Texas right so yeah yeah good point but uh, you win a Super Bowl the, they don't really care <laughs> oh we threw this note in in a weird spot but uh, so okay yeah so since I said Belichick was a wide receivers coach Nick, this one doesn't surprise me as much but Nick Saban was the DBs coach at Ohio State in 1981 oh that's why we put it there because we're about to talk about Michigan. And you can't talk about Ohio State without talking about Michigan. So, again, crazy that this has been upstaged, but Michigan won a national title, and we haven't talked about it yet because of COVID. Um, that, I mean, really, I mean, I kind of, I kind of called how the game was going to play out, right? I mean, like, yeah, you it was did. Just, uh, like I, I, mean, I was, I was, I picked Washington mostly because I didn't want us both picking the same. You know, I was hoping Washington would win, but I stop it. You're revealing our playbook. But in reality, disagreement makes for a better show. In, in reality, I, I I was smart enough to think that Michigan was probably going to win. I just wish that Michigan didn't bully Washington the way it did on both lines of of scrimmage. And that's like, what it, I mean. Again, and that's what it came down to for me is the yeah. I didn't expect the D line, Michigan's D line to. Uh, to push around their O line as much like as Penix they did. Penix had no time. It, like, no, I, I mean, some of that na- was scheme. Some of it was like DB blitzes and stuff like that. The narrative but was it, Penix had a bad game. I don't think Penix had a bad game. He it was kind of Chiefs esque this year. He had he had to deal with some drops. Um, uh, uh, the 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 deep ball at the end of the first half should have been a touchdown. It was it was one of those choice wide receiver routes that he broke it off at a different um, way where. He didn't throw it. Um, he he. The receiver ran a seam, and it seems like Penix was running or throwing a post. So like that, you know, miscommunication there, and he was just facing pressure the entire time. I think he ended up like twenty nine to fifty one. 
But I don't think he played as bad as as everyone led it to believe. Yeah, you know, I mean, the turnovers obviously hurt them. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, the story for me was um, not only Corum going over 100 yards. They, I mean, they just... Edwards, yeah. I think that's the weakness of the Washington team, honestly, um, was the interior line, interior D line. And, I mean, and one of those big plays by Edwards, um, who also went over 100, yeah. Um, one of the big plays by Edwards, they weren't even lined up properly yet, and they just opened up a hole that was like, <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you could have driven a truck through that, it. That first run was kind of fluky, bounced off his own guy, um, and then bounced to the outside. But, well, and, uh, but there was one, no pursuit there either. Uh, well, and give credit, you know, I mean, good acceleration, you yeah. know, by, uh, by Edwards. And then uh, Corum's last touchdown was kind of the same thing. It was like, like he was stopped and then he's just like very quick, uh, stop and go ability. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so I, you know, I'm kind of interested to see what the future holds, I guess, for, for those guys. As running so that, backs, yeah, that's you know? a few minutes from us. And I think we should, um, cede the rest of our time to Ohio state fan Parker rush. Parker, <laughs> what did you think about this game? It was a dark, dark day in Columbus. I never thought I'd see this day. The fucking Wolverines finally won one. Thank God. It's been 90 years since they'd won a national title. They won one in the 90s. Good to see a poverty franchise. Yeah, they shared one in the 90s. They haven't won. They hadn't won a sole national championship since the year 1948. It took them that fucking long. To finally win one. So congratulations to you. But you woke up daddy. And daddy's coming to spank your ass. We have reloaded the clip. And we're going to put an end to you. I know. And it uh, hats off to them. They dominated this game. They won. They won this championship. Fair and square. No asterisks. But um. I'm I'm already sick and tired of the Michigan fans acting like they are college football. <laughs> well, okay, so let, put some respect me, on the national champions' name. I was going to say the national champions who I think you could make the argument beat the second, third, and fourth best teams in the country. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, you, I said you can make yeah, an argument. Georgia, I, said so you definitely didn't beat I said you can make an argument. I said you can make an argument. A weak one at that, Tori. Okay, you could make an argument that they beat. Three of the top five, six, five or six, maybe yeah. five, yeah, five yeah. maybe five. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. That is a very deserving national champion. No, without a doubt. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. And that being said, as an Ohio State fan, is there any sort of silver, silver lining in losing to Michigan because they won the national championship? Is there? Is there absolutely like a, fucking not? <laughs> why not? I mean, I would, I would rather lose to the champ than lose to the runner-up. If, the, if it's going to go down that way. I'd rather lose to the Detroit School of the Blind than lose to those fuckers up north. Or that uh, that college, that deaf college that I had to watch um, 74 commercials uh, championship night about the AT&T <laughs> helmet. Um, Dude, that's cool. No, no, it is. It is cool. But I, it was cool for the first sixty-nine. You're a monster. Seventy-one. You're a monster. Commercials. <laughs> I just couldn't get over it. Didn't you just... literally compare Belichick 
leaving to nine eleven. Well, yeah, it was <laughs> that one. That one's valid. You're a monster. <laughs> You guys don't even remember 9-11. Fuck off. Wow, it's my first memory. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. It's like one of my first <laughs> memories. <man. laughs> it was it, it was valid because we, we all remember where we were when we where we learned that Belichick was gonna be gone. I mean, I can't think of a bigger moment in football in a long time, honestly, than just, Belichick stepping away. I mean, yeah, just this I and, think Satan even was actually bigger. That as somebody that's a huge college football fan, I can understand that. But it, yeah, just in totality, this entire week has just been just crazy, unheralded. Yeah, it's you really. What about Vrabel? I know. Yeah, I mean, for, we didn't we, even talk about we, Vrabel. We barely talked about Carroll, who deserves some love. Honestly, we barely. T- yeah, we haven't talked about Vrabel, who you and I. We, were, I mean, we were bouncing that back. Oh, is, is are the Patriots next? Right? Where's he going? Is he going to the Falcons? You think? I hope Bill doesn't go to the well, Falcons. I think he should the wait here. right now. Actually, I, that's true. We got to kind of like who's I mean, if Bill's sticking around, if, if Bill's sticking around to coach again. And yeah, so he and Vrabel are, you know, are kind of jockeying for spots like, hang on, who has openings right now? Charger. Like, let me pull it up. Chargers, Raiders, uh, Patriots or actually, no, not Patriots. Uh, Chargers, Raiders. Commanders. I hope the Raiders don't. I see again, another linebacker. Like, I hope the Raiders don't. Chargers, Raiders, Commanders. Right. Listen, listen to this one. Wait a year, Mike Rabel. If Ryan Day loses, here we go to Michigan. Come on home, baby. Let's go. Bring it back. What is he saying? What? Ohio State. Ryan. Mike Rabel is an Ohio Rabel. State alumni. Yes. Yeah. That's where he got his coaching. Start. Oh. 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 Okay. Did he say something about Brady? I thought you said something about Brady. No, Vrabel. No. Oh, okay. Vrabel. Come, to, come on home, baby. The, oh, yeah, got go. it. Got it. Okay. Sorry. I'm old. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, is that, is that, is that you guys, you guys know the college game a little better than I do. Do you think that's actually a legit possibility? No, I don't. I mean, maybe, probably, but I don't. Probably not. Um, I mean, here's the thing. If you're, <sighs> If you're going to hire Vrabel, this is kind of, again, this was my logic with the Patriots too, right? I mean, if you're going to hire Vrabel, it can't, I don't, I think the Chargers job is probably the best one for Vrabel because they need to turn things around toughness wise, defensively to a certain extent. They already have the quarterback, so you can hire Vrabel, but you can hire an offensive coordinator. And then see, this is the one I've said this to Mike a couple times this week, but, um, USC, Jesus, USC. USC's coach, Jesus. Oh yeah, uh, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. Lincoln Riley. Thank you. I think Lincoln Riley's getting an offensive coordinator job in the NFL, um, with a, with a team that either needs to develop a quarterback, maybe with a team that already, you know, I mean, maybe maybe he's the guy to come up with Justin Herbert. You know what I mean? Something like that. There, were, I mean, a few like what was it like a month ago that there was like that talk out there that he was going to get or that um, Caleb Williams was going to get Lincoln Riley a job. Basically, like they would be a package deal, you know. Um, I think Caleb Williams kind of played his way out of that, but because he he's not he's not really the surefire number one, right? We got plenty of time to talk about that, but at this point, I think May could beat him out. Who knows? I mean, maybe Daniel. If, if Daniels has a if he has a Zach Wilson kind of workout, I mean, could he could he, he play could. himself into the number one? Maybe, like, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I I think most of these teams know. 
I think bad teams don't know and they get wowed by the by the workouts. Right. I think most good teams know who the best quarterback is already. Yeah. But I think there are bad teams that fuck it up. All right, back to Belichick for one last one last second. Instant reaction. Where do you think he ends up? Tori, go. Dude, he's he's such an enigma. I don't know. Like, does he go to San Diego? Because he like he, he, like, he creates no. He creates Harbaugh it. goes to San Diego. Back to LA. Or... <laughs> I mean, I mean, not all the have all the firings already happened. Like, I mean, maybe it, Dennis Allen in in New Orleans. Maybe. Um. Hopefully, Nick Is Sirianni, Sirianni gonna get I see. I hope he does. I like not. I wouldn't. Again, I said this to Mike already. Like. You don't fire him for the sake of firing him. You fire him if you think there's somebody better. But, yeah, if I could have Harbaugh, absolutely. And, honestly, if I could have Vrabel at this point because I think he's the right kind of guy. Vrabel and Philly would absolutely work. Right? Like, that would, right? Absolutely work. And so, so you don't, yeah, no, absolutely. So you don't fire Sirianni just to make a change. Who's, what, who, who, was, who was interviewing um, the Eagles, Brian Johnson, for the head coach? Was it the Commanders? And we were like, what the fuck? Like, why is that guy getting a head coaching interview yeah, after be. what the Eagles have done this year? Are you kidding me? I say Belichick ends up in Dallas. I think the Cowboys lose to the Packers. Jerry Jones fires Mike McCarthy. Belichick goes to Dallas. I think that would be like I'm not a, I'm not a McCarthy fan, but I think that would be a little crazy. And I know I'm saying fire Jerry Sirianni, Jones? but I mean, come on. no, no. Well, yeah, Jerry Jones. You know, he it's not. Him, a, he put him on the hot seat this week. <laughs> you say we're going, we're going week by week with the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he had to go back and walk that back a little bit. But I think Belichick might go to Atlanta. Ah, oh, that's going to be so gross. And that's like Atlanta's like flirting with him a lot, and it's just like why? Like if you're Bill Belichick, why? Like what? What is there? They have what about, really good pieces. What about Belichick? Do they? What about Belichick in Vegas? They, the Raiders have always been the the black hat, like you know, you know the Davis family. And it, it would have been a better move with Al Davis, but like, just like they were, they were so anti NFL. You know what I mean? And then what if he brought back McDaniel's uh, back to? Back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! You, I mean, a good owner wouldn't even allow him to do that, but. <laughs> this tough what are the Raiders doing? They just need to hire Antonio Pierce. Yeah, they do. No, I agree. I, I think it should be Antonio Pierce. But, okay, honestly, I'm not 100% sure that Belichick gets another job. Just not 100%. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. No, nah, he gets another I like, job. I don't, dude, I'm not sure he does. I'm not, the kind of coach he is and the direction of things. Yeah, they're hiring a couple of linebackers here and there. But, yeah, like, I mean, if Antonio Pierce and if Antonio Pierce can get a job, if Gerard Mayo can get a job, maybe Belichick can. But I mean, there's there's not that many openings, and there might not be any more firings left. I mean, last year they had. I mean, we replaced I think eleven. Like we replaced a lot of head coaches last year. Um, so seven's really not even that many um, by comparison. But all right, we should probably get to. Yeah, but uh, I think eleven was high up there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should probably get to uh, holidays, huh? Holidays in history. Um, yeah, you know it's a, a good place to end it. And uh, the, the uh, I don't know, man. The uh, it's all going to reveal itself. Uh, we're, we're probably going to know a lot more by by yeah. Tuesday, right? Yeah, so, we'll have more to talk about for sure. I sure hope we have some sort of. 
idea of where what's happening with Belichick. I don't think it'll happen that quickly, but it, it'll come. Yeah. It'll come. All right. Well, let's move on to holidays and history. We got to celebrate every day, um, especially you young men. You know, you just you like don't let life get you down, you know. Um, so every day is an important day. And uh, fittingly, January 13th, we are into January 13th, just barely. But we've moved our shows to Friday, so I, I'm not even mad about that, that it's yeah, after midnight. It's freaking Fuck weekend, it. baby. I'm yep. about to have me some fun. Who cares? Um, yeah, no, like, yeah, you're actually, like, oh, finally, uh, you know, off the... <laughs> um, so January 13th is Make Your Dream Come True Day. I mean, mine already has, because I have a podcast that has, like, you know, a couple hundred listens, and I'm the editor of a, uh, a small newspaper, and so, like, and I'm... Okay, not sarcastically. I'm, you know, married to my beautiful wife. So, like, so yeah. So my dreams already have come true. I don't know about you guys. Nope, still working on them. One day, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I've already checked out. What about you, Parker? Have your dreams come true? I mean, Saban leaving Alabama was a dream come true. But Michigan is the national champion right now. So, yeah. uh, so I mean, nightmares are dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um. National Vision Board Day is also the 13th. I think that goes right along with your... I mean, do you, do you guys yeah. do a, a vision board? Is that a thing? I kind of want to do one. I haven't done one since I was like in probably like eighth grade, maybe freshman in high school. This is a good time for Vision Board Day because I feel like this is the time that your New Year's resolution is fizzling out. So yeah. now it's like, yeah, stop I didn't with, make one, by the way. Uh, yeah. And, um, I mean, neither did I really because I, I started going to the gym like three weeks before you know, New That's Year's. That's how you so. got to do it. Yeah, exactly. Start your New Year's resolution early, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like the novelty of the New Year's resolution is wearing off, and now you have to like actually come up with a real plan. Um, so yeah, I mean, Parker, did you have a New Year's resolution? I did not. <laughs> right. We just we just all think we're awesome, and our yeah. dreams have come true. So Unmotivated, like, and, yeah. yeah. Um, National Sticker Day, honestly. So as a kid, this is like one of the things that was fucked up about me as a kid is I would never actually stick a sticker to anything because it was just like it was too much commitment. So I just have so I just have like a pile of stickers that were like unused because like I don't want to commit to putting that sticker on anything, you know. So what if I want it on something else after, and then the yeah, adhesive is exactly. gone. Exactly, it's horrible, you know. So I was a fucked up kid, you know. Like I mean, so window clings obviously were probably the greatest thing ever, but um, <laughs> just a, just a just a little peek behind the curtain at what a fucked up kid I was, you know. Um, I don't know, stickers, stickers for you guys, bumper stickers, you know, never bumper sticker guy I used to be like a laptop sticker guy. Kind of want to get back to that, mm. but I don't have like a personal laptop. So I, I would need that first. Yeah. And we do have high performance machines yeah. at work. So yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be putting stickers on those. Mm. Um, also uh, historical on January 13th, 1968, Johnny Cash performed at Folsom prison. Um, so, I mean, you know, the song Folsom prison blues, right? Yeah, so I didn't so, know that's what. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like about that, right. but but he, yeah, so he performed out there. Yeah, do, do you well, know that, Parker? Is that Georgia? Folsom, Folsom prison. Um, you know, I don't actually. I thought it was Texas, but where, where is it? or Tennessee? Maybe I don't know. No, he was from Tennessee. But I, right? I do know the song. California. Oh, so it's just like oh, in, okay. yeah, it's just in the middle of nowhere in California, probably. Whatever, we're dumb. <laughs> 1999, MJ retires for the second time. Uh, on a January 14th, uh, National Dress Up Your Pet Day. Yeah, my wife will take care of that for sure. Um, so are we going to get dressed up, Parker? Uh, doubtful. Okay, fair enough. 
We uh, we might actually get another dog. Like, I, so she sold me on getting this dog because I wasn't like ready. I wasn't like over the heartbreak of losing our dog, you know. So I was like, I don't want to get another dog yet. Like, I felt like I'd be a bad father to this dog, you know. Mm. Like, I'd put too many expectations on her or something. But now that we have her, I want her to have a friend, and uh, and Casey's actually the one fighting it now. And so, like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, how, it's coming. I don't know what's she, gonna happen. She put that in your brain and now you're putting it it's it's she she told me i just have to i have to pick it out and just run it by her but but she she's actually on board so it sounds like yeah. we're gonna have two dogs dogging coming within the month yeah yeah, uh, yeah. maybe yeah. yeah i want like a i want like an australian shepherd husky mix like it's, yeah. I, want, I want like one of those yeah i want a mouthy dog uh all right uh <laughs> i'm still laughing about this i laughed about it two hours ago feast of the ass day um i i I mean how do you not laugh i mean it's i'm sorry like you don't have to be you don't have to be a genius to laugh at it but i think you have to be an idiot not to that's feast of the ass day uh apparently has something to do with religion and christianity i don't give a fuck um it's feast of the ass day um, Do they eat donkey or? Uh, I don't know, man. It's there, like there was a donkey on the on the description, like in the photo. The donkey transported Jesus's family or some shit. I don't know. Like again, <laughs> yeah, donkey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, swamp. Uh, International kite day. There's never really a kite flyer, and shit. I don't know if I ever flew a kite. I did. How is how is kite flying? day in january because it's international because so it's it's warm somewhere yeah read a fucking book parker (laughs) i was literally literally gonna be like yeah why i was literally gonna be like yeah you're right (laughs) and then you said (laughs) open your fucking mind parker jesus Um, i'm I'm just an idiot i'm sorry Uh, 1954, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio got married. You know, it's just kind of the Kelsey Swift. Um, well, they're not married, but you know, it's like it's one of the original athlete celebrity power situations. couples. Yeah, I'm sure that's offensive to a lot of Taylor Swift fans, though, because like I think not that Marilyn Monroe wasn't talented. I think she was a good actress. I don't know. You know, I haven't really seen her work, but like I think a lot of people would argue she was just pretty. Whereas Taylor Swift is ta- I apologize. talented. I am not familiar with your game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we went, what was that going around? We weren't familiar with uh, Jake Browning's game either, right? Yeah, true. Good for him. Yeah, fair. Um, I just think this was one. This one's funny. Uh, January 14, 1783 is when they signed the Treaty of Paris to officially end the American Revolution, and the Brits wouldn't pose for the painting, <laughs> which was like I guess like kind of standard for that time. But the British were so pissed that they just wouldn't pose, and then. Apparently, one of the delegates for the Brits were uh, the Wikipedia said he was blind and ugly, so he was not <laughs> so he was not inclined to pose for the for the painting. <laughs> like, so just taking the Brits just taking a giant L even two years after the war was really over. Um, and then another weird one from the American Revolution on January fifteenth, Vermont declared independence from New York in seventeen seventy seven. In the midst of a fucking revolutionary war, they're like, like yeah, we're, we're doing our own thing. We're, we're going to be our own state. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, little did I know, but Vermont even um, at one point, because Congress throughout the 1780s still wouldn't recognize Vermont as a state, um, Vermont at one point asked the Brits if they would let them back in with Canada. 
So, uh, yeah. So, hey guys, we still cool? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I don't know. Vermont's like, if, if, for those of you that don't know, if you're like a first time listener, that we are broadcasting you from Vermont. So, um, I, I hope, I hope you're still listening. These guys don't know anything about sports. <laughs> uh, 1919 was the great Boston molasses flood. And, uh, I guess I shouldn't like laugh about that. 21 people died, but uh, Parker, you had heard about this, right? I have not actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like the, the the way it was described on history.com is the the bolts on the outside of it shot off at like bullets. It basically sounds like a cartoon situation and then 2.5 million gallons of molasses just flooded the streets of Boston and yep. and people literally drowned in molasses. So it's like, you know, the most sugar has killed people since well, every day in America. But anyway, um January 15th more importantly, is two very important birthdays. One, Martin Luther King and our very own Mike Mawson. Yeah, let's see. Uh, history will decide which one is uh, more important. Because uh, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't said enough offensive things yet today. <laughs> we got a front runner for sure, uh, but we'll see. I uh, I covered a cool thing for Martin Luther King Day last year, but I had to go to church for it, so it was kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, like, I had to sit through like sermons and like the songs mm. and the peace be with you and other things that I didn't understand just church customs. And then it was cool at the end. Cause the, the guy was like a big deal. He's like, he's like related to ACLU, I think, or ND, NAACP. I can't remember which one. Um, but the, but he was a former Marine too. So, so I, I at least got to chat with him for a little bit about that afterwards. So he, he seemed like a cool guy, but um, yeah, having to sit through church, it just wasn't about it. Yeah, so it, it's kind of cool that um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day falls on his birthday this year. A lot of people think it's his birthday every year when they're celebrating the day off, but uh, nope, it's it's the fifteenth. But it just so happens to fall third third Monday of the of the calendar year. So uh, yeah, happy birthday, Martin Luther King Jr. and happy birthday to me. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, uh, pretty big deal and um, very influential. I don't like I don't I don't know what else I don't know. What yeah, else I mean, to say like about I, you guys. I, if you don't. Yeah, I, I feel like it. The name speaks for itself, right? Yeah, he was the man. He yeah, was the for man. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, what are you like? What are you doing for your birthday? What's the plan? No plan. No plan. Uh, watch some football that night. Uh, just, just hang out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe get some Defazio's pizza over in Troy, New York. Who knows? I was, gonna, I was saying, like, I don't. I feel like I need to take you out for a drink or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'll take see you there, Mike. Take you out for a water. What is it? I mean, I'll, I'll get a drink with you, yeah. Like if it's your birthday, just like because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not get a drink on a friend's birthday. Like, Fair enough. Um, Count me in. All right, cool. All right, we'll go out then. Watch football together. Um, since we never really, if you think about it, we never really watch football together. No, we're, always, no. we're always talking about football while the doing game's notes. On. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, and uh, I thought we were ending on that. I forgot January 16th was included in too. So January 16th is appreciated Dragon Day. I don't really know what that means, but, you know, cool. Good good rule to live by. Um, National Boston Day, like we said, it is a, uh, you know, it's not a town of losers anymore. We're not the, Boston's not the laughing stock anymore. And uh, International Hot and Spicy Food Day, which I, I'm actually not a fan of because drinking water gives me heartburn. So I'm a pussy, I'm a pussy about spicy food. What can I say? Um, yeah. Uh, you guys, spicy food? I love spicy food. Yeah. Love it. I love spicy food. All right. Everybody out there, uh, Everybody just shout happy birthday, Mike, and maybe he'll hear you. Um, 
you know, on the morning, what, Sunday morning? Uh, Monday. So, Monday morning, sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's our show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. Parker, thank you for joining us, sir. Um, we didn't get nearly as much enjoyment out of laughing at your, you know, Michigan misery. You're too over it, unfortunately. Yeah, you're welcome you know? <laughs> for, for having COVID. Oh, yeah, we, we've moved on to next year. <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you, uh, Cat TV, for giving us this equipment. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Alex Grohl, for uh, with this song, Noisy Neighbors. Find his stuff on Pixabay, and uh, it's only going to get better. Thank you, guys. <laughs>